Time travel's a hell of a drug. Because I'm over there, I, I, I have a machine, and I hopped in it, and I'm thinking to myself, is Endgame, is it what it says real? And you can do whatever you want, and it'll just make a new timeline? Turns out, I went back, saw myself, I was fat, I came back still fat, so it definitely doesn't change anything. Okay. Feel free to contribute, guys. I'm enlightened. <laughs> I know. Time travel, though. I, I heard it on our... On You're our, misusing it, man. I know. Well, I heard it on our other... Our our sister or brother podcast, the Going Off Topic podcast. They talked about time travel. <laughs> and it made me really want to discuss it real quick. And I think it would be great if we could do it and go to different dimensions. That would be great. Or parallel dimensions. Yeah. But that's that's neither. Hey, Christian! We can. Yes. We got a lot to get to. Are you recording? I'm recording. Am I recording? Zach, are you recording? Wait, who am I? Okay. Um, we got <laughs> Spider-Man Do you One. Really want to know? Sp <laughs> yes. <Are> you, <laughs> we got. We're good. We got Spider-Man One, Spider-Man Two, emotional impact, storytelling, all of this and more on this edition of Sequel Men the podcast. Coming at you, not live from the Spider-Verse. Two men talk about the films you care about. Or don't. It's a Sequel Men podcast, and it starts right now. Alright everybody, thank you for returning for another episode of Sequel Men the podcast. This is one of your hosts, Christian Bring It All, and with me is, as always, is... Oh, Spencer, you, you hi. Can't just How are wave. You, you need to <laughs> <laughs> I forget. I forget the medium. We're we're in people's ears. Uh Spencer waves to the uh, <laughs> mic. Hi. How are you? Good. Good. Check it out. Good. We're the good. sequel men. That's that's what we are. And we go through through Hollywood's greatest and worst and sometimes just mediocreist film franchises. And at the end, which is this, the wrap-up episode, we talk about our fin score, which is the final important necessary score. And mm. we just do some funnies, break it down, act by act. In this episode, we're going to be announcing our, I think, I think there's an announcement coming about our next franchise. And really special guest with us yes. today. We got Zach Coop. Introduce yourself, Zach. Hey, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Well, we're, we're happy, really to, happy have to have you. We're really happy to have you here. Yeah, so, so who are you? Who... Are you? What are you about? How do we Man, know you? Do you really want to know? No, I'm sorry. I made that joke already. <laughs> I just—it's uh, hard not to make fun of this franchise. This tale's not for the faint of heart. So <laughs> um, who am I? So I'm a mutual friend of Spencer and Christian. We worked on some film projects together um, through other mutual friends at Grand Valley State University. Aside from that, um, I don't know. I'm just an average, ordinary millennial, and I. Uh, I love Spider-Man. He does. I, uh, like, it's... The only thing I love more is my my wife. And if my family is listening, I love them more, too. If they're not listening, though, it's probably just my wife. But Well, hopefully they're listening. <laughs> hopefully you'll tell them, hey, guys, I was on a thing. Listen to it. Even if right. you don't like the other guys, listen to me talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I grew up during a time where, you know, we, we grew up during the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Yeah, so it was correct. hard not to love Spider-Man. I also had the benefit of having access to a lot of the comic books and stuff like that, too. Um, and so for me, I just grew up loving Spider-Man, and I've thrown myself wholeheartedly into the character and 
love him just about as much as anyone can, I would say. That's I have a cool. really great photo of me dressed as a battle-damaged Spider-Man because I had actually hurt my knee to the point where I couldn't walk without crutches, but I really wanted to go to Chicago Comic-Con, so I was battle-damaged Spidey instead of just regular Spidey, and my wife actually had dressed up as Felicia Hardy, Black Cat. Oh, that's cool. And then we got a picture with Nathan Fillion, and one of my greatest, like, bragging points that I have in my life is that we walked up to Nathan Fillion, and he called my wife beautiful. Aww. Hey, speaking of your wife, uh, may I use her name? Yes. Hannah. Is she there with you? She is not. She's in in a different room. No, no, no. I mean, she's in the same house. Like, you live with her, obviously. Is she home? I do live with my wife, yes. Yeah. Because uh, I, <laughs> I would hope so. No Spencer, is Krista there with you? No. Yeah, I think so. Uh, no, but um, if she, if as we get going, if there's some, like, I don't know, it might be cool to have her make a cameo appearance and give some input. If she'd be up for it, or if you'd allow her. I don't know the rules. <laughs> I'll... I'll send her. A, I'll send her a quick message real quick and see if anything's possible. Yeah, just uh, you, you know. Believe. You just can... gotta believe. So, guys, Spider-Man yeah. One, Two, about? and Three. We're talking about Spider-Man One, Two, and Three, all of them. And honestly, we've uh, Christian and I, we've been, we've said all. Well, I've said all I needed to say about each individual, but as a whole, I'm I'm really excited to do some recapery. And just talk about stuff. He keeps using that phrase, and it reminds me of Preparation H. (laughs) What phrase? On the whole, but as a whole. (laughs) I do say that a lot, don't I? No, how do we usually start these? We're just talking about Spider-Man 1. We're just shooting it. Yeah. Question. How would you rank these? I'm curious, because Christian and I are going to talk about ours, but Mm -hmm. I want to know, where where do you hold these? Like... Are you asking about how I rank these in regards to other Spider-Man movies? No, or no, just through the three. Amongst themselves? Yeah, these three in order. Just, just these three. You're, you're, of these three, how would you place them? I would have to say that I, I subscribe to the traditional two, one, three. Yeah, yep. that's that's pretty traditional. I think, yep. I think if you had asked me five years ago when I was feeling extra rebellious right after they had canceled the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> franchise i would have said uh they're all the worst i don't rank them in any order but (laughs) over time i've grown to appreciate them for what they are and uh i would put them in that order yeah i agree which i think that's the correct order so we just gave our rankings but we have we're all on the same page we have numbers we're gonna we're gonna give them i don't think you're gonna be as amazed by my numbers as you were last time. I sure hope not because god damn You dude. gave Austin Powers and Goldmember an 88? No, oh, you did. <laughs> or I, whatever it was. Yeah, whatever you did. I think the best way to start this is just get into the worst moments and get those out of the way. And then that'll that'll uh, lead us into some some uh some discussion. Well, did we want to ask before we get into the top 3 categories, do we want want to just shoot the shit? on these movies and just maybe yeah. get Zach's opinion. Yeah. Just actually, so he let's can air that. his opinions out. Cause we've already given everything we wanted to say in the past three episodes. And yeah. Um, so you were, Zach, you were commenting on the, uh, the Facebook posts. Yeah. Give us some, give us some more of that. Cause that's good stuff. That was some in-depth stuff. How long do these podcasts go? 
As long as we want. As long as, as we long want. As long as you want? Okay, good. I mean, typically, an hour and a half <laughs> or two up, hours. All right, on, Zach, that's 12 go. bells. You got you to gotta hang this up, buddy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Actually, so, now that you mention it, this has been the Sequel Men Podcast. Thank you, Zach, for <laughs> being here. <laughs> I'm so happy you guys had me on the show. It was good to be here. Uh, let's do this again. All right, I can't wait for the next one. No. <laughs> that's right, because every film. Okay, we'll, we'll stop interrupting. Anyway. Give us, give anyway, us some yeah. good stuff. So let's back it up. Yeah. Okay. It's, two, it's the year 2001, right? There's there's three things kind of happening here simultaneously. You have the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies that have been delayed and delayed and delayed. They've had different directors, different actors attached to them. And finally in 2001, you get Sam Raimi Spider-Man. At the same time, you get... J. Michael Straczynski coming in to write the flagship Amazing Spider-Man comics. And he developed some of the best stories for Peter Parker and Aunt May and Peter Parker and Mary Jane that existed at that point. So the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies didn't have that to go off of because it was happening simultaneously. And the third thing you had happening, which was what I was really, really getting into, was the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man which was written by Brian Michael Bendis. And that was my mm. jam. Like, Ultimate Comic Spider-Man is what got me into Spider-Man more than the Sam Raimi movies. And over time, I've come to realize that the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies... How do I describe them? You are guys not know great. The, you, you, know the, <laughs> you know the thing where it's like, we fed a bot like 20 like, Shakespeare oh. poems, and we had it right its own Shakespeare poem. <laughs> to me, that's well, what I've always felt about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man okay. movies. I feel like they're movies that are very well produced. They're very well directed most of the time. They have great production value just like overall. Like You can tell that a lot of heart went into these movies and a lot of work. And the stories, especially when you look at like Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2, the story writing is just exceptional. But the characters themselves, at least the main cast of characters, feels like they just picked things from characters in the comics and put them together and then called it Peter Parker. Or they called it Mary Jane. And we didn't end up getting what I had always thought Peter Parker and Mary Jane were. And to me, you can have all the good writing in the world. You can have amazing action sequences, incredible villains... You know, what I still think is the best Stan Lee cameo when he says, you know, one man really, one person really can make a difference. Yes. You have all that. But if you don't get to the core of who Peter Parker and Mary Jane are right from the get go, you only have so far that you can go. And I think, to me, that's the reason why Spider Man 3 is as bad as it is, is because they played out their characters by the end of Spider-Man 2, and they were kind of grasping at straws for what to do with the characters going into Spider-Man 3. Wow. And that's, that's good my, shit. That's yeah. my short version. That's my anecdotal yeah. short version of my big opinion on these movies. Enough said. You I said agree something, with you on Mary Jane. Yeah, and you said something really interesting when you said they took pieces of, yeah. of and called it this... Almost uh, made it some sort of Frankenstein monster. I would argue they didn't even take the good pieces. Oh. Because hey. <laughs> this is what I see. I see Toby, and I'm like, you know what? His Peter Parker, 
I buy that. That's good. And I'm thinking he read and studied Peter Parker, but then Sam Raimi's like, oh, now we're going to do the Spider-Man scenes. He's like, what is a Spider-Man? And, and then Sam's like, oh, that's that's who Peter Parker becomes. Did you not read the source material, the, the script? And he goes, yeah, no, I read the script. I didn't know that that was real, like, from the comics. I read the comics, but only the Peter Parker parts. I didn't know we were doing the Spider-Man bits. I thought we were <laughs> grounding it and making it just, just about Peter Parker. And then he was going to become Spider-Man, like, at the end and not really do anything with that. And then Sam's like, okay... That's fine. Uh, so what we're going to do is in the second one, we're going to make you Peter Parker for 75% of it then. We're going to play to your strengths. And when you're in Spider-Man, we're going to have you not really talk a whole lot. But when you do, can you try to be a little funny and quirky? And he said, I guess I can try. And Sam's like, that's all we can ask for. We've already, you've signed the contract. You're in. Okay, <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. Okay, no, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. That's how I feel. And that's what oh, I took away man. from what you said. <laughs> I'm the sheriff around these parts. Okay. I must confess, I'm not really a big reader of the comics. I have, like, uh, one of the collection uh, books of, like, the first print of the comics back when they originally came out. Yeah. But uh, I've only, uh, and this was years and years and years after the Raimi films came out, even after the Amazing Spider-Man films, I think, came out. But... You know the character much more than probably me and Spencer do, Zach. You, you do. He does. Wait, let me check. No. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I would say so. <laughs> but from what I knew about the character at the time, and after seeing like the trailers and reading the magazine, like the Entertainment Weekly magazine that was featuring Spider-Man and like, oh, coming out in the next couple months, uh, I like Toby's... Um, version of the character, I guess. Given it's an adaptation. And I That's think, fine. You can have that. But Given the yeah. time period there, superhero movies, aside from Superman and Batman, mm -hmm. we were just getting into the the meat of superhero movies. You know, I think we had yeah. X-Men going at like kind of the same time. I think did yeah. the first X-Men movie come out before the first Spider-Man yeah, movie? Yeah, in 2000. The year before. Yeah. Yeah. So they wanted to make Spider-Man really approachable for new audiences, especially, you know, like younger kids who probably only grew up with like Spider-Man the animated series. Me, yes. But I watched that. Yep. And so, you know, they they wanted to make a character who was approachable and they didn't want to throw in a lot of the baggage that came with, you know, the at that point it was like 40-ish years of comics. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like there's so much we can do, but I think it was interesting, Kristen, that you said you agree with me more about Mary Jane because, oh boy, do I have bones to pick. Not with Kirsten. Not oh, with Kirsten. Interesting. I'm going to give Kirsten the benefit of the doubt here. Oh, yeah. It is with the way that Mary Jane Watson, and I can't put enough air quotes around that name, the way that Mary Jane Watson, quote-unquote, was portrayed in these, in these movies. Um because it just wasn't the character from the comic books. You know what's so funny? What's that? Mary Jane's character is the best on screen in these three films. In the third movie. In the third one. In the third one, whereas <laughs> Peter is the worst in the it's third like she, one. <laughs> she finally was like, oh, wait, you want my character to have a little bit of depth? And Sam's like, yeah, been trying to tell you that for a few films. And then she's well, like, she fires back. She's like, well, it's hard to have depth uh, and build a character when all you have me do is just be an object for Peter to save, okay? Right. And all I do is scream. I scream so much, you literally recycle my screams from the last movie. 
And those were great screams. She's but a good screamer. Great screen screamer. Great screen screamer. <laughs> screen screamer. <laughs> I like that. And you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hijack your podcast. You're not. No, you're no. here. This is yours today but too. That actually is a very good transition into one of my least three favorite moments. Okay. Do we want to just do them? Let's just do them. Let's just do our three, our our segment, our our Let's three worst. It. So I Zach, agree. you go first. Uh, start with your third, and then go up to the number one worst. Obviously. Okay, so that actually works out pretty well because my third least favorite moment is the introduction to Mary Jane Watson in the original Spider-Man movie. Because there's a very specific reason why Mary Jane Watson is wearing the exact outfit that made Gwen Stacy iconic. Ah, ah. They didn't even try to hide the fact that they were making Gwen Stacy without a brain and calling it Mary uh, Jane Watson with just Well, they hair. did that later on, too. But oh, on the any, bridge, yeah. They um, made another Gwen without a brain, so that's yeah. good. <laughs> and then they made Gwen a model. Yeah. Gwen has never modeled in the comics. Gwen oh, I didn't modeled. think so. Man. I didn't Jane think so. On the bus? You're talking about on the school bus, right? I'm talking about on the school bus. And, you know, like, it's cool that she gets up and she stands up for Peter and whatnot. And you guys... You trashed that school bus scene, and I'm glad you did, because in in 2001, it was so easy to just, like, kind of make high school seem like this wasteland, where bullies are just waiting and waiting they and waiting around roost. some corner to just beat the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're kids, they're mean, but, like... Well, even the not... bus driver was... Right. Ain't much better than your kid. Yeah, and you know what? I think it was probably because of movies. Why, as a middle schooler going into high school, I was terrified because there was two things. All, every senior, junior, sophomore was going to kill me, or at least try. And the second one is I was going to have to take showers after gym class, and that was going to—that's where oh. I was going to get beat up. And you know what? Those two things never happened. I mean, I took showers, but it wasn't that bad. You wore a swimsuit, and I never got beat up or even picked on. And I maybe know. it was because I was cool, but I don't know. I have a ah. fun I have a fun note here regarding something you guys brought up in the original Spider-Man movie in your first Ooh, doing research. Here. Um not having Way to do to with go. the school bus scene in particular, but just to give you some information about the high schoolers, again, quote unquote high schoolers again. The actor <laughs> the twenty five year old high schoolers. The, right. the actor that plays the teacher Oh no! During the scene when they're at Columbia, yeah, is two years older than Joe was. I buy that. So he was, was 30, thirty or twenty-nine? No, he was twenty-eight. Okay, okay. And <laughs> Joe was like oh, twenty-four. Man. I don't. It, actually, it might have been like twenty-four, twenty-six. I think it was twenty-six, twenty-eight. But yeah, the guy playing the teacher of all of the twenty-somethings playing high schoolers was not even in his 30s. He also was in his 20s. Dude, when I was watching that as a kid, I was so confused because I, I thought, I did not realize and connect the dots that, oh, he's their teacher. I I'm didn't like, either. Oh, he's, like the, well, he's like a student aide or something. I or knew he like, was a teacher, but I never monitor. thought of the age thing. I, I always thought he looked younger. I'm like, why is this freshman coming up to these like seniors that are in their 30s? Why is he telling them what to do and telling them he's going to fail them? Does he it have that power? <laughs> it wasn't till later on where... 
I just <laughs> thought of the hilarity of how he speaks. Just in the, one more in word, the I'm going to Columbia say. University. Yeah. <laughs> do your impression. You you do a good one, Christian. You do it so well. No. <laughs> so what was the the one he's like, you were talking during that entire woman's presentation. <laughs> Let's go talk about how we listen. <laughs> it's like, what are you in kindergarten? That's, so That's something you have to do to kindergartners, not high schoolers. Like Oh, oh Phil, the next person that talks to And he didn't. I'm not gonna get into I it again, but he didn't. Nobody failed, I don't think. <laughs> No. Oh, you got him going again. Well, uh, you have to. I mean, look, he there. Mary Jane is taught. She doesn't. Okay, I've said what I needed to say <laughs> in that episode. Why don't you go to your number two worst moment, Zach? Oh, we're just gonna keep rolling. Oh, yeah, please. we'll each okay. we'll each take our turn. So I was really torn between which one of these was number two and which one was number one. Mm. I'm curious have... to see how they line up with mine. So my number two was the whole. Uncle Ben death retcon that they did in Spider-Man 3. <sighs> I can it, see that. Yep. I understand that the the significance of what they wanted to do where Peter has to forgive his uncle's killer. That is all stuff that could have been done without retconning and turning it into a classic Spider-Man villain. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, it's like what we said in the last episode. It's like it almost feels unnecessary because it feels almost... It's like that plot line had been resolved in the second movie. Like he had got, come to peace with himself or something. Right. As far as I see it. But then all of a sudden, oh, two years later, uh, maybe we should bring... The, maybe we should tell Aunt May. Maybe we should tell the aunt and nephew about right. uh, the guy that just broke out of prison. Speaking of that Aunt we May, had information about two years going now. Sidebar, oh. our first sidebar, real quick. Aunt May, Rosemary Harris, <laughs> lover. Um, I don't think outside of Spider-Man, I had ever seen her in anything else except mm-hmm. last night. Krista, that's my wife. We're watching a movie, not a great movie, but a fun, entertaining popcorn movie. It's, it's a 2012 flick called This Means War. Has Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, and Reese Witherspoon in it, and she is in this movie. And I'm like, really? I did not know she acted outside of Spider-Man. It's so no. weird. <laughs> no, but no, yeah, just, she, she she didn't have a big role. In a yeah, pocket dimension where that's the yeah. only role she's ever had. Yeah, but <laughs> she didn't. This was seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. You know, four year, a bunch of years, or a few years after, didn't age at all. In fact, she looked younger in this movie. She looked good. But uh, yeah, anyway, that's the end of my sidebar. Is she Benjamin Button. Yeah, I she guess. Brenda Button. You know, going off your your how they retcon stuff, I feel like a lot of films do that. In well, the, third the Eddie movie. Brock thing. Yeah, in the in the third movie of a lot of films, they do that where they're like, okay, how do we wrap all this up? Let's, you know what? Let's do some flashbacks and may, throw in a twist, like, oh, what you thought happened didn't really <laughs> happen. The rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. See, every third <laughs> no. film. That's a different podcast. That's a different podcast. Yeah, we're already done with that one. You've had your chance. Emperor Palpatine. <coughs> should, I should have been Plagueis. Okay, that that's good. That's a good number two. I I don't like that. I agree. I agree with that. I like it. I I dig it. And your number one. This, let's see. Let's see if it's worthy of going back and forth with that one, or if it's a clear number one. So, my number one is that whole sequence. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. That whole sequence from Spider-Man 3. Thank yep. you. Yes. Yep. 
the whole thing. Like, yep. Yep. I I had a. We guy don't even that, need to. We don't even need to name it. But for the listeners, what sequence are you talking about? I did have a guy that I uh, that I worked with for a while who wrote an absolutely glowing review of Spider-Man Three on one condition. On one condition, you had to completely detach yourself from Spider-Man and just look at it as a Sam Raimi movie. That's like a like a character study about like guilt. That was it. That's so one it, way to look fun, at it. <laughs> it was fun to read that and be like, oh, look here, you can find the silver lining in anything. But that whole sequence is just so overly campy and more importantly, unnecessary. It does not fit the tone of any of the other movies. It doesn't fit the tone of its of the movie. It's no. In. So, yeah, that's my I, that's my number one. From what I knew about the symbiote suit, it it amplifies violence and anger, right? Yeah. Am I correct on that? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't turn him into a it doesn't turn you into an emo scene kid mm-hmm. who has to ha- brush his hair to the side like he's No. I can't even that <sighs> when that was I went into the movie remembering, you know what? It's not good, but I'm going to have fun watching it. And I even knew that scene was coming, and I thought I'm gonna have fun laughing. And then I watched it. I I was more irritated. I I couldn't I couldn't even bring myself to smile at the absurdity. I missed the part where that's my problem. It's just <sighs> so I I I, I it just it didn't turn him into a it didn't turn him into an angry violent person. It turned him into a douchebag. Hey, like find us some shade, sugar puss. He yeah. says legs, but I said puss. I don't know. I feel like well, that, that would have made more sense. the bar. Like the bar top moonwalk and thanks. All of a sudden he can play piano. This is for and you. He's, he's like Stevie Wonder up there playing. I I mean, great song, but should have been. I don't movie, know. In a different movie, that scene would have been amazing. Oh, yes. yeah. And like super bad. camping it up and just like. Be just going full on douchebag for like mm-hmm. twenty minutes, you know. Go give me some milk, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make me some of those. Do you have any with almonds? Make but yeah. Go make me some. That scene belonged in like Moulin Rouge, though. That's a thing. And like, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Moulin Rouge. The tone not. is oh, a yeah. little bit different than Spider-Man oh, yeah. Three, except it's not because that scene is in Spider-Man Three. I think oh. that sequence would have fit better in The Great Gatsby than in Spider-Man Three. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Because he could, just he I, talked I mean, like he was in the twenties. You could do your own edit. Just cut it into Great Gatsby. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. That's <laughs> something. Honestly, if Quentin Tarantino put that in one of his movies, I'd be like, "Yeah, this slaps. This is beautiful. But, this is good and artistic." The only silver lining to that scene, that whole sequence for me, is that it's just a dark inversion of the happy-go-lucky. I'm Peter Parker, not Spider-Man anymore. Like raindrops falling on my head sequence. What would have maybe made it work better is if it was. Yeah. You, you keep saying is it's it's a an in inversion of the raindrops. If they'd have come in playing a, a My Chemical Romance song over it, sure. If they if they dropped in which uh, one? I don't know what's um or what were some of those other uh, bands back the in parades, the early the 2000s? Black Parade, uh, Dead. If okay, uh, check this out. 
He comes walking down the street and you hear this. It's a new day, but it all feels old. It's a good life. That's what I'm told. And everything, it all just feels the same. Go to high school. That song. Don't want to be you. Don't want to be just like you. What I'm saying is this is the venom. Throw all your hands up. You. Symbiote you. If they'd have played that, I'd have been all for it. Uh, Zach, another thing I forgot to mention. Often yeah. I break out in song in these. So no, just, okay. just know that. I'm still waiting for the podcast within a podcast on this episode of the podcast. Oh, yeah. But you know what? I'll, we'll just let it happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome to Spencer's Love Corner. I do want to, <laughs> just because we're talking about that sequence, I want to let you guys know what we could have gotten. And, again, like, Ultimate Spider-Man comics were running about the same time. And by the time we'd gotten to 2007, Spider-Man 3, the Venom arc had already played out in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. It actually happens really early. It's like, uh, like issues 33 through 38 or something like that. And this is the benefit that we have now in hindsight, looking at these trilogies at the time that they didn't know then, is you can plan stuff out over multiple movies. They didn't know that at the time. They didn't have the ability to do that. But Peter doesn't run into the man who killed Uncle Ben right after his origin story in the Ultimate Comics, Spider-Man. It's not until he has the symbiote that he runs into the man who killed Uncle Ben. And I Ooh. think they tried to use Sandman mm. in place of that. But, yeah, Peter tries to kill the person who, well, technically Venom actually comes out while attached to Peter and tries to use his rage at the man who killed Uncle Ben. And Peter is able to hold back. And then he goes to, like, a power plant and he dumps Venom, like, down one of, like, the smokestacks. And then he runs away, and he ends up at MJ's. And we oh. get this really tender moment between the two of them. Um, but can you imagine if we'd gotten that in this movie instead? Uh, he, uh, that would have been great. Peter has the symbiote for less time. He gets rid of it because he realizes how bad it is. Instead of embracing it like a dipshit, because you know we've <laughs> already played this arc... <laughs> We've already had this arc, Peter, in these movies. Uh, You're able to let go of your anger. And it I just feel like the whole movie would have played out better if they'd just done that. We would have gotten more screen time with Eddie as Venom. Which would but, how did uh, how did any I how did Eddie with you, but... in the how did Eddie get oh, yeah. Venom in that that storyline? Oh god. Oh that's uh so God gave it to him? It's not a... It, well, no, that's what happens in this one. No, in the oh, comics... Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> in the comics, it's actually... They tie it into Peter's parents. It's actually oh. a... Um, it's like the suit is supposed to be like a medicinal thing at first that they used to try to cure cancer, and Peter's parents worked on it with Eddie's parents. And Eddie Ooh. kind of brought Peter into the fold to be like, oh, hey, I found this. I wanted your help like to use it. There's... Peter straight up destroys that symbiote. There's another one. And oh, Eddie shit. opens up that one. But the two symbiotes are connected. So that's how Eddie is able to know, like, oh, Peter was using this thing. Even that's though interesting. He said, like, we shouldn't touch it. It's bad. So, yeah, the ultimate Venom story arc can get a little bit muddled, too. But just that moment where, like, he gets rid of it because he 
realizes his rage is enough that he could have killed someone, that he gets rid of it. Because Peter Parker wouldn't keep the symbiote in that case. And that's one of the big betrayals of the character that I see in Spider-Man 3 is he's like, oh, I, I like this. They tried to do something like that. Like right after he kills the Sandman, like, good riddance. And then he <laughs> like does his hair up and yells at Ditkovich, like, fix this damn door. Yeah. And then the he looks at himself. Me, yeah. <laughs> Are you doing it? <laughs> I see Zach liner. on cam right now, and he's trying to brush his hair to the side like Peter. But he, like, touches his chest and is like, what's happening to me? But he doesn't have any remorse for what he just did. He just goes, I'm going to go tell Aunt May. She'll be happy to learn that. This is something else. <laughs> <laughs> Another question, well, Zach, and then Christian, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> I promise. I'm sorry. I'm no, going to let you finish your point. Uh, Flash, he becomes Venom at some point. Uh, and isn't that isn't he referred to as like Agent Venom? And he's like, he becomes a good guy. Did that storyline happen during the time of these movies? Or is that later? So they wouldn't have been able to do that. That was in the 2010. So that was after mm-hmm. the okay. movies. But, so yeah, that's not a missed opportunity. The short version of that is Flash is a military veteran, but he, yeah. comes, he loses a leg. Actually, I think he loses both of his legs. So he's paraplegic, and uh, the military gets a hold of Venom, and they they give him Venom so he is able to walk again but also be a soldier again, and he uses the Venom symbiote to work as an agent of the government, basically. That's kind of interesting. It's, it's Why really don't they cool. make that movie? Because <laughs> <laughs> we... instead we're getting Venom, Venom, Venom. <laughs> I haven't seen Venom yet. Real quick, real quick. What were your thoughts on that, Zach? Um, I really like the scene with the lobster tank. Okay, that was funny. And don't give any big spoilers because Christian hasn't seen it. But overall, did it did it do Venom as a character justice? Maybe not the better than Spider Man Three. Better than Spider Man Three. Yes, because I haven't even seen the movie. I know that he looks good. Venom is a very fun movie. That is a very bad movie. That's what we'll say. It's entertaining as hell. And if you want to see Tom Hardy ham it up for two hours, watch Venom. Otherwise, Uh. it again felt like the whole, like, fed a bot a bunch of stories about Venom and had it write its own. But it was the same thing. It was made to be... It was... Honestly, a lot of it felt like they took cues from the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy and starting out trying to make a character that was approachable to audiences who weren't familiar with the character. I think it would have been a complete lost cause if Eminem hadn't come in in the end to save it. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> the biggest problem with the Venom movie is that Venom's Venom's character is so closely tied to Peter's and to have a Venom origin story that doesn't even attempt to connect to Peter Parker is going to cause a lot of plot holes for them in the future. So I'm, that's all I'll say there. They're going to run into some problems in the I future mean, if they're planning on combining the two together. How does Venom get his look? Like how he's kind of that inverted-looking Spider-Man with the eyes and the, the crest it's, and everything. It's because the symbiote bonds with Spider-Man for so long in the comics that he develops that look, and then yeah. he becomes the rage monster once he takes over Flash, but like... How do they explain that in the movie? Yeah, Venom is supposed to have Peter's memories. It's supposed to know Peter is Spider-Man. Because it was bonded with Peter so long, his spider sense doesn't work against Venom. 
Oh. So there's so much wow. stuff that they're gonna have to that they're gonna have to do differently now, and they've just made their lives more difficult by doing yeah, that. Yeah, no, they're not gonna be able to pull it off. Have fun writing around that. Yeah. I'm just excited well, to see Carnage, but uh, they'll have Christian, to retcon it. Christian, go ahead and finish your point that you started about an hour ago. I forgot what I <laughs> was talking Man, about. Man, my bad, dog. No, that's okay. Christian, you'll probably come back to, to hear it. About? Huh? I'm curious to hear your worst three moments from. I was Philly. good, good, good seg. All right. Yes. To make up okay. for it, we'll let you go next. Podcast. I'm your host, Zach. <laughs> My guests, Spencer and Christian, are here with me. Oh, thanks for oh. having us, Zach. I, I'm a big fan, long-time listener, first-time uh, wait, caller. Wait, South is this how our speeding. listeners sound like? <laughs> no. No. Long-time we listener. Didn't, that, we didn't mean anything from that. No. But, okay, I guess go I'll ahead. just segue into it. No, Zach oh. already did. You'll just follow his lead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Top three. Worst moments. Number one, not not no, the top three. worst. No, number Yep, yep, yep. The crane sequence in Spider-Man Three. The modeling part. The not even well. But is that the? That's what you're talking about. That? That's my main gripe okay. with it. Yes. Okay. And you know there were a few other worst moments that came out to me, but just personally for me in these movies, I couldn't really think of a lot just because they're so nostalgic, and I, I I like all of them, even though the third one is has some huge problems, but. Number three, the crane sequence, just because of how absurd it is that they're just standing there looking out the window again as a beam is coming towards it. Like, get out of there. Run out of the room. What's that thing doing in my shop? Exactly. Ah. No, it's just, it's your obligatory action sequence and it's... It doesn't even look that impressive either, the no. way it was done. To be honest, for me, it's just recreating some of the same motifs from the second movie with the new DP. Uh, I think his name is uh, Bill Pope. I know his last name is Pope. But he did The Matrix, and he and you can kind of see that in these films, or at least the second and third Spider-Man films. But and Then you just gave up? Yeah. No... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but, I, I mean, the cinema, t- that, that, there was nothing wrong with that in the third it's one. He just, didn't give up. Th- and this is not even just a whole, this is just a problem, not even with the scene, but with the whole movie. None of the action sequences look that good. Because oh. when you get, when you went from Spidey 1 to Spidey 2, they actually evolved the way the shots looked. I think I heard this, I didn't read it, that's for sure, but I think I heard it on another podcast that was talking about, they did the Spider-Man uh, franchise. And the the effects team that did the first two did not do the third one. No. So well, maybe because that's John why Dykstra, so bad. yeah, John Dykstra didn't sign on to the third one. I mean, they're not but bad. His, but they're just not as good. They're not bad, but I don't know. That's kind of a psychological thing too. You think, oh man, John Dykstra isn't there, so then you have a, like, oh, I hope it's going to be as good as when as it was under him. So you kind of have that in the back of your head, but. No, it's just the choreography, the fight choreography, I should say. You know what it reminds me of? It's not as evolved from the first movie. They really improved on the first movie with the second one. Yes. In terms of the choreography. And as a whole, you know the game Sorry? This one is just stale. You know the game Sorry? Yeah, Sorry. (laughs) No, the game Sorry has a card. When you draw a 10, you can either go backwards one or you can go forwards 10. And I feel like they drew that card and was like, you know what? We could go forward 10, but 
We're not gonna. We're gonna yeah. go back one. Let's just let's let's see. Hey, here. It's just I'm banging a dead horse, not banging yeah. a dead horse. Yeah. I sure hope <laughs> not, sorry. Christian. That's all the time we have. We have to get this sorted out. That's a whole other issue. Zach, thanks for coming. Sorry you had to hear that. Um, no, it's okay. I'm calling nine one one right now. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Oh, Am I on that? Yes. I'm Alfred. beating a dead <laughs> horse. <laughs> Hey. Oh, I, I'm not sure anymore. Dwight's farm. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, uh, I'm his cousin Moe's in disguise, but <laughs> makes sense. No, I'm beating a dead horse here, but the choreography, like the shots, like him and Doc Ock falling off the side of the building in slow motion before they hit the train. It's just the same with him and Sandman in the subway tunnels falling down. Um, which I do like the ring theory of that where you have a train scene in the second one they're fighting on top of the train and then in this one they're fighting in the subterranean tunnels where the subway goes through that's kind of neat to be just form and style wise yeah but yeah to give some comic book context to this and to get your brain juices flowing yes so please do the raimi movies do something that i hate they give you these moments drawn right from the comics but what happens right before or right after in the movie cheapens the moment. Ah. And the crane sequence is a perfect example of that because Captain Stacy is put into a position where he could very easily be killed by falling debris, and he lives. <laughs> now get this. In the comic books, Captain George Stacy is a fierce... Uh, fierce friend of not only Peter Parker, but also Spider-Man. And he is killed by falling debris while Spider-Man is fighting Dr. Octopus. You think back at what could have been yeah, and how you could have introduced a character Ooh. like Gwen Stacy more. And mm -hmm. also, you know, you could have put it in two or let's say Captain George Stacy dies. Peter has a lot more reason to want to put on the black suit and keep it because with mm. it, he'd be able to save George Stacy. Whereas before he probably wouldn't have been able to. So ah, I like that's that in context there. Missed opportunities there. I like you. See, that's why you're the perfect guest for this. Cause I was hoping <laughs> to get some, some comic book, like, Oh, what they could have done, yeah. what they should have done, what they didn't do, what they did do. It's insightful. But it is. Number two, Christian. Number two. The Sandman reconciliation at the end of Spider-Man 3. Okay, yeah, good. Partly because, and this is a thought that occurred to me earlier today when I was writing down my notes, show notes and things like that. If they had put that scene after the Harry Osborn scene, it would have worked much better in terms of the structure of the editing. Okay. Because uh, I don't, and I don't mean to just yeah. reiterate everything I said in the last one, but... You have the, okay, meanwhile, Harry's a floor below you, dying, bleeding out, and you're having a heart-to-heart -heart with Sandman about your Uncle Ben, which... Wait, yeah, when in, you put it in that Spider -Man way. 3, <laughs> in Spider-Man 3, uh, the whole Sandman thing, and I'm going to get into this much later when we get into the Finn score, but I lost my train of thought. His whole, his whole arc in Spider-Man 3 is learning to put the things that he loves in, like, a priority. Oh. Right? Yep. Like, that's his whole yep. thing, is, like, prioritizing the things that he loves well, and giving them the attention that they deserve. 
That was and even that, a thing in two. <laughs> right. That like, he kind of was <laughs> reconciled by the end of the movie. I can be Spider-Man and have the girl. I can have MJ and be Spider-Man right. at the same time. Meanwhile, your friend is bleeding out a floor below you, <laughs> right. and you're talking to the guy you've right. killed, like... Harry, actually, wait with. a sec. The guy you uh, thought Flint. you killed. <laughs> Explain yourself in five minutes, because I, I have to go... My buddy down there who just... Help me defeat you guys. Oh. He's bleeding out, and I could probably save yeah. him. But <laughs> on, why don't You're you tell clock, me? Man. You you have five minutes, and maybe that's even too long. In fact, it probably I mean, he is. could have saved him. Yeah, probably. We got to listen to this really slow scene where we see the truth of what happened with Uncle Ben. But we, as an audience, we don't need audience. We don't need to know audience. that. Audience. We don't need to know that. Like as far as we know. <laughs> We already know what happened to Uncle Ben and why Peter's Spider-Man. Why do we got to bring this up two years later again to introduce the Sandman here in this way when the focus of this movie, I believe, should have been on Parker's ego and his narcissism and not narcissism per se, but the arrogance, the the unintentional arrogance too with MJ and like, well, when I'm Spider-Man, I'll tell you what. The arrogance in that being amplified by the black suit, if Sam Raimi had chosen to use the black suit and the symbiote as the main vehicle in this movie instead of overstuffing it with the characters and plot lines that were in it, not necessarily his fault, producers and things like that. Sure. But you wouldn't even need the Sandman, really. I would have bought that I scene mean, because a little bit more. It kind of cheapens it because the Sandman plot is quickly put into the dustbin after he thinks he kills him. (laughs) Dust. And it's supposed to be an important moment because this is the guy that killed your Uncle Ben. This should be an important moment for you. It should. And I think if if the scene had played out a little bit more like he's about to go save Harry and then he shows up. And he's he's doing that where he keeps inching away from the conversation. Like, ah, I got to get going. Yeah, no, yeah, that's great. That's great, but I got to go. And it would have been dumb and funny, but I would have bought that better because it would have shown no. Peter's trying to get out of the conversation. <laughs> like, I can't. It's, that's great. You killed my uncle. Sweet. I have to. Can, can it wait? You're not like going to dissolve this. now, right? I forgive you. Thanks. Floats away on the wind <laughs> like Credence and Fantastic Beasts. We could and have just skipped to that. You see a quiet moment of Peter standing there. Oh shit, Harry! Oh right, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> and where was Mary Jane? Whoops. Hey, hey, he's. Can you? Can that wait? He's down. Can you please? What was she doing? I, she was. She had Harry in her, in, in her lap. She had. You know what they were doing while Peter was up there. Should Strawberries. we get Peter? I can't breathe, and he's like, actually, uh, no. I probably only have what five more minutes of life left. You know, <laughs> you know it wasn't so, stabbed. Uh, Banging a dead horse. You, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I still have some of that serum in me, and uh, you know what they say about a guy with big serum. <laughs> no, they either should have not had the whole Sandman thing should have been resolved by this point already, or they should have flipped those scenes around if they wanted to make it better. How it was, how it is in the movie, they should have just flipped the scenes around. Right, Sandman comes in. Oh, shoot, is this a bad time? I'll come well, back. Well, Sandman could literally he could have walked in on Peter and MJ crying over their friend, and then it would almost—I don't know—it'd be kind of a moment between the three of them, uh, Sandman, yeah. Peter, and MJ, and just Sandman like having this—I don't know—how do you say it? He's—he's he's watching 
some way tie it back to him and his daughter. Yeah, it's another emotional moment. Yeah. Well, can you? It's like this is the impact my actions have on the people around me in my life, even if it's not my daughter or this boy's uncle. You know. Well, Mm -hmm. can you imagine hearing Peter talk about his uncle Ben and how Uncle Ben, like, was the inspiration for him to do what he does in front of, like, MJ? And just see, like, MJ deserves to see that. And I'm sure Mm. it happens off screen at some point where he tells her about it. But where in these movies does, like, there's, there's a disconnect. Like, it feels like you have Peter and Uncle Ben and their relationship. And the only person Mm. who ever gets to share in that is, is May. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, no one else really gets to see that. So it would have been this really cool moment where Peter gets to open up and have Mary Jane get to, you know, hear about Uncle Ben and how much he means to Peter. Would have right. been nice to see that. Meanwhile, guess. Harry's dead corpse would just be sitting there. Yeah. And like, oh, we'll deal with that <laughs> later. What do we do with the body? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. He's made of sand, right? Bury him. Hey, <laughs> Sam, can you fly back real quick? Fly back real quick. Can you just pour? Some? I don't know. How does that work? Can you take care of this? No. Uh. Do what they do in the in the Big Lebowski. Try and put him in the ocean and then just have him blow, in his, blow back in his face. You fucking asshole! I would have forgiven the entire movie. If Harry's last words... <laughs> Don't <were> tell <laughs> Harry. <laughs> if Harry's last... <laughs> Sorry. If Harry, it's not even going to be that funny. But if Harry's last words... <laughs> what if they were this? Don't tell Bernard... <laughs> I don't know. What's your number one? I think we know it, but go ahead. Number one is the same as Zach's. The whole emo yeah. scene Peter thing. It's just... Uh, it's not... It's not what the tone of what the symbiote does to you should be. That is a travesty of a sentence, but you get what I'm saying. We met what you sure. knew. Like him hitting MJ at the M, at the M club, the nightclub, the jazz club, that was in character for what the symbiote would do to him. Like, that's a moment that I really like, not because I'm some sick bastard who likes seeing women get beat up, but because... You are, but that's not the point of this this right here. (laughs) But just because that is... That's what the symbiote does to people. Like, it doesn't... Like I said, doesn't turn you into emo bastard dickhead prick cheap lying no good rotten four flushing low life snake licking dirt eating inbred overstuffed ignorant blood sucking dog kissing brainless dickless hopeless heartless fat ass bug eyed stiff legged spotty lip worm headed sack of monkey shit he is easy but show us more of that like the whole thing with the sandman that was fine like with with him killing the sandman I would have even settled it, for more eating cookies. Well, the whole point, I think, of the Sandman in this movie for Peter was to give him something to be angry about so that the symbiote could amplify it later on. You know, mm-hmm. he's pissed off about, we're not learning about this until two years after the fact that there was another person implicated in Ben's murder and you didn't bother to tell us. There's so many other things he could have been angry about. Yeah, so uh, let's many. see. Harry. Harry. Harry's they should the have made Goblin now. That, okay, so yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> this is where I was saying a little bit earlier, they should have made Venom and Harry, the symbiote Venom and Harry, the main 
villains of the movie because then ha Peter could have been pissed off at Harry for stealing MJ as part of Harry's subtle plan to attack his heart. <laughs> you know? And Harry, he didn't have to reveal himself in the coffee shop by turning around and <laughs> winking through the window. Like, he could have just... He could have been just stealing MJ throughout the whole movie. Or his whole, like, amnesia thing could have been an act. And then when he's that. taking he's taking MJ away, that's what really pisses uh, Peter off and causes him to put the suit back on. And I would have I said this in the in the Spider Man three episode, but Zach, I'm I'm interested to hear how you th how you would have received this. Let's say, because I know this isn't from the comics, unless it is, and I don't know. But if they'd have just taken some creative license and had Harry take the place of Eddie Brock in this movie and not have Eddie Brock at all since they didn't really set him up and have him be infected with Venom instead of being the Green Goblin if so, I was the filmmaker and I did that how mad would you be if I did that so at that point I believe they would have been the first people to do that however um, they did do that with let me just look something up here real quick yeah why don't you do that there was a ultimate Spider-Man cartoon show um, that uh, I think I remember a little bit of it that came out with Drake Bell. Um, I watched the first of like, episode of that the other day. Yeah, kind of like early. MC is it on Disney days. Plus? Yes, it and, is. Uh, okay. They uh, so Harry becomes Venom in that, and I think Ooh. I think that's the only time he's ever done that. But that was post these movies. That was after the fact. But Harry actually became a very intriguing host for Venom in that series in the short time that he had it. And honestly, he's kind of more like Flash Thompson in that series anyway, where he's like super like beefy and good looking oh. and everyone loves him and stuff like that. Whereas like in the in the in the normal comics and whatnot, Harry is he's a drug addict, man. Like he's oh. he's tweaking. And that's oh. like that's like why he becomes the Green Goblin is because Norman they, oh. they they flipped character arcs here. So in the in the comics, Norman gets into a fight with Peter uh, after discovering who Peter is, that Peter is Spider-Man, and he threatens all of Peter's loved ones. And instead of Norman dying at the end of that fight, he loses all his memory. Ooh. And so Peter spends, like, months, like, oh, man, does he still know? Is he still the goblin? He seems like he doesn't know. My spider sense isn't going off anymore. I think Norman's okay. And then by the time Norman gets his memories back, he's like, okay, I can't be the Green Goblin now, but I'm going to manipulate my drug addict son into being the Green Goblin now, and he's going to do what I say because I'm his father. So that arc's very different. But no, Spencer, I, I, I heard you talk about that in, your, in, your, in the Episode 3 podcast with Harry being Venom, and I think it would have been really interesting. They would have been the first people to do that at that point. I would have been fine with that. But that I think at that time, they were planets. They're like, we don't want to do be too extreme because the mcu isn't a thing anymore i mean they've taken tons of creative license and nowadays in movies you do that because you've seen or you've seen everything you you want to be they got to do something creative. different yeah but if they'd have that would have been a big innovation for the time but at the time that was like the first spider-man so they're like let's just play it and make characters who they are you know and, and screw up the story instead of the characters <laughs> it's like what zach just said about the drug drug addiction and you even mentioned that like the whole symbiote thing, it, you're, it's almost like a drug, would you say? Yeah. yeah. In the last episode. That could have tied into that. 
But then again, you didn't establish Harry as a drug addict in Spidey 1 and 2. So right. No. They that couldn't have, that would have been a complete... That wouldn't have worked at all. Speaking of not talking about characters the way that they are, I want to just take a minute real quick and talk about a character. And we, t- we talked about her for a little bit. And then, Spencer, you can go into your, into your three words. Thank you. <laughs> Mary, Mary Jane Watson in the comics is a fiery, temperamental redhead with crazy amounts of charisma. She is the party girl. In fact... When Peter and her start dating, he breaks up with her because she's so, like, party all the time, doesn't really seem to care about other people that much, and then Peter starts dating Gwen because Gwen is actually interested in him. And it's not until after Gwen dies that Peter and MJ start having a more adult relationship after that. This Mary Jane Watson is not temperamental. Well, she is one time, she says, and I quote... Don't make me look ugly. Yeah. That's about as temperamental as she gets. She, that's right <laughs> that's there. That's impossible. I'm like, hey, calm but down, MJ. M- Mary Jane Watson is the heart of the party. She is out at clubs. She is the one throwing the parties with everyone coming over. She is, at the time, the stereotypical like party girl to the point where like people would talk about Mary Jane and be like, oh, that girl, she's a little too wild. There is nothing about Kirsten Dunst Mary Jane Watson. And again, it's not on Kirsten. No. There's nothing that screams wild or temperamental to me. And it was to make her approachable. It was to make her likable. It's a lot easier to connect with You kidding me? Did you see the way she jumped into Flash's car? She was all for it, man. That was yeah. funny. I was, I was watching that movie with Hannah. And I specifically pointed out at that moment, I was like, this is the most Mary Jane she ever gets in the whole trilogy <laughs> is when she's running through the alley and she's like, "Ooh, yeah, nice car." It's beautiful. But it just, uh, just like that. But that was that. That was my little soapbox. I'll get off it now. No, well, that's d- a would good you say one. they kind of did this in the first movie too? Would you say they made MJ into like a surrogate Gwen then, because the Queensboro Bridge thing? With that being originally Gwen in the comics, I know that much. It was, and I, so I will actually talk about that later. Okay. When we Good. get into top three action sequences, because I, okay. I do want to talk about the the bridge sequence. But no, they did. They combined Mary Jane Watson and Gwen Stacy from the comics. They put them in a blender, and whatever came out is what they threw on screen. <laughs> and then unfortunately, it was someone who looks like Mary Jane doesn't have her personality, has more Gwen's personality, but is dumb. Like, doesn't have Gwen's brilliant mind. Um, The one thing I liked that they got right about Mary Jane, which was the truth about Mary Jane and the truth about Gwen, they fell in love with Peter, not Spider-Man. Oh. Well, not at first in the movie. Well, I mean, she... Yeah, She didn't know... So that I'm going to talk about when we talk about our, <laughs> our top three favorite moments from the movies. You didn't send me your talking points ahead of time. No, well, hold on. <laughs> Whatever you hold, that's good. I got Save everything. Right I'm holding. Look at that in paper. But uh, right? I will, paper? Yeah, I know. I haven't used paper in like. Paper I is will, the fertilizer. Or whatever Dwight says. Both of those points that you made, Christian, I will, I will address those later. Oh, cool. Okay. okay, I'm gonna do my worst moments now. Then, since since we're, we're sorry, 
No, 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 it's cool. It's, I mean, it's my show too, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I joke. Okay, worst moments, number three. And both two of mine are different than yours, than oh, your guys's. So that's good. That's number refreshing. three is the Venom fight, at, like at the end, because there's just hardly any of it, and you don't really get to appreciate Venom. He's not developed at all. And just Topher, I'm sure would have been fine if he'd have been established like in the second movie and maybe, like I've said several times, been hinted at becoming Venom. Like he becomes Venom at the very end of that movie and then it gives you something to look forward to. But they don't really hint, they don't do that in these movies. So just the fight wasn't earned. It didn't feel, there wasn't a big it's kind of tacked on, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not even great. He says some things. It feels like an obligation. Right, like, oh, we got to fight. Cause, uh, <laughs> it's, just, it's not good. I don't like it. Number two is, uh, oh, man, I love this scene, but hate it because it's not good, is when Bernard tells Harry about his dad because it took three movies. <laughs> and just it's so convenient. Like, he, he saw this opportunity. He was like, okay, wait, when should I tell him? Peter just came. He needs some help. Hey, Harry, guess what? Your dad killed himself. Go help Peter. Okay. I'm convinced he has Alzheimer's. Uh, maybe. Like, and if they he, said that? I feel that? like he's like their grandfather that they keep around. He's not a butler. He just lives there, man. Like, that's he, what it was at that point. That's how you explain that. He doesn't even know how what food or guests is. Guess, guess, sir? Um... <laughs> Yes. I don't know how to answer that, Bernard. But can you food, get us some food? Food, food, sir. Food, sir. <laughs> I don't Meanwhile, care. I'm painting my still life. Get us some oats. I don't care. We have a guest coming over. And then it goes back. Guess, guess, sir. We've covered this, Bernard. You're Alzheimer's. Take your pills. Go to bed. My number one worst moment. It, it's this. It's the emo Peter. We don't even need to go into it anymore. We. I th- yeah. We beat that dead horse to death. And if you like beating dead horses to death, try Christian's Dead Horse Beater Cafe. You're going to get everything you ever wanted in a cafe. You walk in and you're greeted by a half-man, half-horse hybrid. Because not only do they beat horses, but they bang them too. You know what they say, don't bang a dead horse while they're down. Well, here at Christian's Dead Horse Cafe, that's exactly what we do. And if you want a good horse burger, then come on down for the $5.99 horse. <laughs> Horse and fries. What? You want a beef burger? We don't have that shit here. We only eat horses. And then once we eat them, we bang them after we poop them out or something. This is going off the rails, as you can see. So come on down to Christian's Dead Horse Cafe. It's all your wildest dreams and then some. And for dessert, we might even get you a donkey. But that it's by special request only. And that's $6.99. There's an upcharge plus tax. Come on down, Christian's Dead Horse Cafe. Bang a horse, beat a horse, eat a horse. That's our motto. Back to you. So number one is obviously um, the emo Peter scene. And I, I think we all know why. So I did not. Did you? That's my, that's my did infomercial. Did you just make that up? What? On the spot? Yeah, that's what I do in the wrap-up episode. You know that. I just wait for a moment, and it came to yeah. me right there. I like so, the one you came up with the, on the Toy Story one best. Oh, that was my that was the, the best one the for sure. The slingshot or whatever oh. it was. Oh, <laughs> that, that was, was so a good funny. one. But uh, that's that's you'll have to. Uh, so let's move in. Let's just move in. Do you want to just move right into the best moments? Just yeah, segue. Let's do. How about this? We'll go reverse order. So I'll start. Thank you very much. I'm going to take this opportunity. 
Zach, uh, question. Christian's Dead Horse Cafe. Yay or nay? <laughs> Get it? Nay? No, <laughs> that, that was a joke worthy of Spider-Man. Thank you. Okay, so number three best moments. And it's when it's when Peter actually gets bit in the first one. And the reason is because I just I, I remember as a kid watching it and I knew the comics enough to know like it just seemed like correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, maybe I'm misremembering the comics or the cartoons. But it was straight out of them. Just like the the visual how it is and the color of the spider was great, which was practical by the way. They painted a, a spider with that's makeup. awesome. I remember that. They yeah. did auditions for spiders for that part. I'm not joking. But I just, I, I've always loved it. it There's something satisfying about it, like going on his hand and then how the the fangs go in. I just always Mandibles, liked it. maybe? Yeah. And then just how the, the wound looked and it was just, he was taking a picture. That was straight out of the, the comics, right? The cartoons. He was taking a picture and it bit him? The So the actual like setting of it was really or not sorry this the setting was wrong the well, setting right. was very very wrong compared to the comics the actual like bite itself like how the spider comes down and bites him yeah just about spot on yeah that's um, what i was referring to mainly yeah no that was you're absolutely right and i i love the way that they do that it just is classic spider-man and i guess when i say it the setting isn't like the comics it depends on which comics, because again, the Ultimate Comics came out right before this and definitely influenced these movies. Everyone's in high school together. The whole class goes on a field trip. In in the Ultimate Comics, it's to Oscorp, and so ah. yeah, the spider is mm-hmm. actually made by Oscorp. In the in the original comic in Amazing Fantasy 15, it's literally just only Peter who goes to this weird science experiment where these scientists are like hey, let's talk to everyone about radiation and how we can control radiation now. And a spider just happens to go through their experiment. But yeah, Peter's like doing a report on it. He gets bit and then he runs away and all the scientists are like, yeah, he's got kind of a weak stomach for this kind of stuff, I guess. And then Peter goes and does his thing. You were throwing up during that entire woman's presentation. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go get your medication. (laughs) <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> let's go get you some medication all right christian man if you if i was single i'd tell you what i'd go right on to my <laughs> i'd be I'd ready right to mingle on, huh <laughs> i'd go right on to my number two best moment i'm going right through here is <laughs> The I love this scene, and the only reason it's not number one is because in the same movie there's an even better scene. But when Doc Ock is born, air quotes, when he's face down and the arms are just killing all of the the doctors and stuff, and I just visual there's no music, it's straight it's showing Sam Raimi's horror movie roots because he he was more known for that, like I've said, and it was just for a PG thirteen movie they really pushed the limits there and it made me want even if we got like an r-rated version of just that scene i would have loved it and then he wakes up like not knowing really what happened and then realizing because the arms tell him i just it's beautifully shot the setup for it where the doctors are just kind of going about their <laughs> anybody take shop class because they don't know what's coming and it's horrifying it's scary and it's just the arms and it's showing the true 
nature of these things and the true power and what they're capable of. And I, I think just John it. Landis is in that scene. He is. I think he's. Did you say that? I think he I did. didn't. Somebody did. Maybe in that other podcast. I didn't see it until after we were done recording. Okay. I was like, shoot. Yeah. I know it wasn't me. <laughs> oh, you weren't. We in heard it? a voice come into the show, and what was that? What? <laughs> what, John? What? But it's just, it's. Oh man, I love it. I love it. Is uh, we're we're it's gonna like, go to our. It's awesome. Our, our comic correspondent here, Zach, in studio. Um, is that how? How is he born in the comics? Brief. Give us the brief. You know That's one that I actually have not read in a really long time. How back dare you? Then, back then, it was really simple. It straight up was just people like, "Oh, I'm going to build this technology so that I can be a supervillain." And I think with Doc Ock, it was pretty similar to that. It was just. This crazy introduction, Doc Ock's weird stuff started happening, honestly, like, after these movies were made, where he, like, takes over Peter's body and stuff like that, but oh, I, yeah. don't, I don't like talking about those comics, they make me mad. Takes um, over Peter's body? like He said he doesn't transfer. like talking about him, Christian. Yeah, I don't like talking about it, Christian. Respect our guest, damn okay, it. Okay, okay. Anyway. Don't make me, yeah. me fringe my hair, okay? <laughs> no, okay. Going off of the Doc Ock thing, and then I'm oh, sorry, I don't want to hold on too long to this. But go ahead. You've played Spidey PS4, right, Zach? Of course you have. The yeah. Of course I, you have. I'm actually replaying it right now. Oh my not goodness! Like, not like right now, right now, but like the characterization of Doc Ock in that game. No perfect. spoilers. I haven't oh, played it. Oh, no spoilers. I'm just. It's so well done. My nephew has that game. I should borrow it. The way they did it from, I don't know, just it's almost a cinematic standpoint, but just the character development-wise and his motivation and what happens, and you got to play it. I don't okay. think that that version of Otto Octavius would exist if it wasn't for Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And I think that Spider-Man 2 is a case of them doing a character better on screen <clears throat> than they ever did in the comics. Hey, they got one thing right. Sure yeah, that's awesome. I was just going to say, because they're both like made out to be these sympathetic... They're not bad until something happens to them. I'm not a bad guy. Thing. I just have bad luck. I will not die a monster. Yeah, it's so... he His whole... Ah, oh, man. Which brings me to my number one Well, those are the best scene. villains. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah, well, we'll get to it. We'll talk about the villains. But my number one best moment, the train... In Spider-Man 2, and specifically since we're talking about moments, obviously the fight's great, and we have a category. We're going to talk about our three best fight scenes, but when just when when Peter is just given every little bit of energy and strength he has left in front of the train, putting himself like in the front line, like he's going to be the first one to go if it doesn't work out, or even if he dies saving them, that's he doesn't care, and you can Selfless. see. Yes, and he's the webs are holding the imagery of him on, on like the cross with his arms out and his suit's ripping. He doesn't have his mask. So you can really see that it's him. And they had to do that, by the way, because you have to see the emotion on his face. If that, It wouldn't have been as good if he had his mask on and you couldn't see his emotions because the eyes didn't emote. Maybe in the cartoons it would have been fine. But you had to see him as Peter because then you're... you're you're, it makes you realize and remember, oh, he is just this 
like high school. No, I mean this young kid, really, this this college kid, like yeah, just underneath the mask, and acting wise, Toby did it justice. I'm glad you said that because it just made me realize that it goes along with the whole theme of Spider-Man Two of him trying to live with two identities, really, Peter Parker and Spider-Man, and how to. Uh, reconcile between the two of them and ha not being able to have Mary Jane and stay committed to Uncle Ben's wishes and great power comes great responsibility, that sort of thing. Just having him have to do it without the mask on just accentuates that it's almost like it's not Spider-Man doing that, it's Peter Parker. Because yes. you see his face instead of this, the mask and the suit. And you, it's you both combined. Get, you don't get that a lot like the emotion behind Spider-Man in these movies, because the mask doesn't doesn't emote. Like I said, you can't see his facial expressions and how he's reacting. It's just a mask with eyes, and he just looks. Uh. But it just that was it gotcha, and it it just worked. And then he passed out, and they caught him. It was great. There's a really cool moment in this scene, and I can't remember if I remember hearing about it on your. Spider-Man 2 episode or for it with something else. But the speech that May gives earlier, here's, here's what she said. She says, We need a hero. Courageous, sacrificing people, setting examples for all of us. Everybody loves a hero. People line up for him, cheer for them, scream their names, and years later tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who told them to hold on a second longer. And there's a really cool moment right at the end of the train sequence where the train has stopped and Peter holds on for just an extra second <sighs> just to make sure that everything is settled and that everything's okay. And that's when he drops. It's after he's held on that extra second. Nice. That's really good. That's, that's tight. really nice. That's tight, tight. I like that. I like you. I'm glad you're on this show. Wow. Yeah. The little yeah. details in the storytelling. Mm -hmm. They hit a stride there. What a magnificent and, script. And yeah, oh yeah, no, yeah. So that's where. Go ahead, Christian, with your with your top then. Okay, number one. Number three. <laughs> go ahead. I'm not mad. Top three. I just symbiote um, talking. Okay, I'll lump these two together. Well, it's really the same scene. But when Uncle Ben uh, dies. And he, no, <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> Stop laughing, no, Christian. No. No, but ahead. no, when he Uncle when ben? he's you know he passes. <laughs> I'm picturing crying face, Peter. Yeah, but when Uncle Ben dies, you get the cue "Revenge" on the soundtrack from Danny Elfman. It's when he you know he's running down the alley and he puts the the. What is it called? A baklava? You can just call it a mask. That's okay. A mask. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead with that. <laughs> but no, just that whole scene when he's he's first learning how to use like his web swinging powers for real. As a fan of Spider Man, it is hard not to get chills in that. You I feel know, like right? You're right there with him, experiencing these moments as he's doing it, and they nailed the web swinging in that. It just well, it, it, it's inspirational. Exactly. The the music gets you pumped. He's like crawling up the walls for the first time in his suit, his little rudimentary sweatsuit, all that. 
And then he gets to the top and he's like, oh shit, what am I going to do? I got to do it. And he just shoots his webs out. And you see him like struggling, like how do, how, am I, how do I maneuver between the skyscrapers? And it's him first learning how to do it. But by the end of the movie, you get the Queensboro Bridge uh, sequence where he's like spinning around the beams and everything with his webs. And he lands smack dab on the middle, no loss of balance or anything. Shoots off from the flagpoles. And it just shows like that arc for Peter as a character. You know like what the that beginning scene... of the movie, he wasn't Spider-Man yet, but at the end, he's made that transformation and he's become the Spider-Man with all the skill and agility that you'd expect. You know what that scene really makes me want to do? Like, I get hyped. And it makes me want to go out and, I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, put some, like, corn syrup on my hands and try to climb up a wall. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do, you, do you get that Christian at all? Like, have you ever tried that? Nonsense. What kind of idiot would do that? I don't know. Zach, you ever tried that? I don't that? know. I feel that way when I wake up in the morning, man. It's like a daily <laughs> thing for me. I wake up first thing all right. like, tally-ho, uh, and I just go for it. <laughs> hey. What? Uh, I tried, and that handprint yeah. was on the oh, siding yeah. forever. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. It might still be there. Dude, it was very we difficult get it. to get off. We've all done stupid stuff when we're 18. It's okay. No. <laughs> Why don't you just give us your number two best moment and put that all behind right. us? Here's, here's my number two, the train sequence. Uh-huh. And you already went through all of it. Just the fight choreography, the, the action, the music. I love the music. Just the little musical cue that happens when he starts shooting the webs out. Like all at once, the second yeah. time, not the yeah. first time. I just love it. The strings, all of it. Um, the like when he goes through the overpass, he does like he twirls in the air, goes through the overpass, right slices through there. That's so cool. That is so cool. And that's all I have to say about that, Forrest Gump. Okay, number Leaves. one, baby. Number one, Peter tells Aunt May the truth about what happened. That's your number one best moment, huh? That is my number one best moment. Because... I love how that's acted by both oh of them. Oh my gosh. It's so... It's phenomenal. And just... I just love how touching that is. And I didn't realize that it was the same day, the anniversary of when it happened, until I watched this movie again for this podcast. Yeah, same And that boat. they had just gotten back from the, the uh, cemetery laying down the flowers. Mm-hmm. That just made, made it even, it even more much, powerful. That have that much heavier, yeah. And it just go, you know, Spider-Man Two isn't so much a Superman or a Superman. They're a Superman again, a superhero movie as it is a a character study on a comic book character. I mean, there's action sequences in it for sure, but it's more of a Peter Parker story. Because they were playing to Tobey Maguire's strengths. He was a good Peter Parker, a good Spider-Man. <laughs> but just quiet moments like that, it's it's beneficial for character development. Yeah. And for his character as a whole, just to... That's part of his performance anxiety, too, is what's going on with Aunt May and keeping that from her. Word. I just love that sequence. It's one of my favorites. It's my top in in this uh, yeah. in this uh, particular list but Christian there's a comic book that you would love to read 
and you don't need to have any context about what happens before it because it just starts with Peter in his apartment with the crap beaten out of him. He just fought someone. I can't remember exactly who it was. It was one of the first issues written by J. Michael Straczynski, who was the writer at the time that these movies came out. And it's called The Conversation. And it starts with Aunt May walking into Peter's apartment as he lays, beaten and bloody, in his Spider-Man costume on his floor. And it is the conversation of Peter and Aunt May talking about him being Spider-Man. And it, you would think it would go a certain way, but what ends up happening is that May shares that she has some guilt about that night as well. And she has been living with her own responsibility about what happened that night. And it's just this beautiful moment between the two of them. And I think they took a lot of inspiration from that comic for that scene with mm. Peter and May. Her reaction to him telling her that, how she kind of like withdraws her yes. hands. Oh, it's not I love what you that. would expect to happen. And I, they just, they nailed that scene so well. And I, I again, can't help but think they took inspiration from mm-hmm. that issue of that's, Spider-Man. That's fantastic. I need to read that. I need to check that out. Yeah. What? How, where can I get that? Like Barnes and Noble, or you probably find it online somewhere. Yeah. But. If you you can subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, not a sponsor. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that got me about that scene was he had just got done saying I held his hand as he died and he goes to hold her hand and like you said she withdraws and just kind of slowly walks upstairs and shuts the door I love how that scene lingers too of just him sitting there like it allows the audience to absorb it as well almost like Aunt May's trying to absorb it yes but that's tough to hear it is tough to hear but you know what's not tough to hear? Superfan Zach's top three favorite moments. Woo! Man, king of the segways, baby! Just whip out my notebook here. Number three. The creation of Sandman. That is a beautiful scene. That is to a good me, one. That scene is the Otto Octavius birth of Spider-Man 3, basically. It is the scene where the director got to do what they wanted with this character and show them coming to life. And there's really not much to say. The scene speaks for itself. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's the birth of a supervillain who is not really a supervillain. Oh, the scene speaks for itself without having any dialogue at all. Oh, yeah. It's just the music. And visually, it's stunning, really. Like, the lighting, it's just, I, yes. Mm. And it's the opposite of the of the Otto Octavius scene in many ways because it's it's not horrific and tragic, but at the same time it is. But it's portrayed Ooh. as beautiful as opposed to horrific. Well, Zach, so, I think I think you just had your very own ring theory moment. Ah, <laughs> oh, welcome to the podcast Ooh. officially. I can hear the ring ding in in the back <laughs> of my head. Yeah, Sonic. Um, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic number, just ran by <laughs> Number two We've already talked about it You both talked about it It's the train sequence Yeah of I put it. I put it in here Because I think that there is A better action sequence From that movie That made it into my top mm. three But that yeah. scene The train sequence Deserves to be in the top moments Of the trilogy It doesn't get to be relegated To just being an action sequence It's so much more than that mm-hmm. Yes Number one 
Not one that you guys were expecting, but we get to something that Christian was trying to talk about earlier, and I said, no, Christian, wait. I'm going to talk about that <laughs> later. <laughs> well, it's later, bitches. It's later right now. In Spider-Man 2, after PETA... PETO... <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What one was this? <laughs> Number two, when Pedo and Adi are done talking to each other. Pedo and Otter. When, uh, no, when Peter and Otto kind of have their thing, like at the end, and Otto's going to try to take down the, the thing, Peter stands up and he looks back, and he doesn't have his mask on, and MJ sees that Peter is Spider-Man. And she lets out this sigh, um... The guy who does uh, Cinema Wins, who does the everything great about these movies, did Spider-Man 2, and it's one of his favorite mo- moments of the trilogy as well, because it's a sigh that's just, it's not just like, oh, thank goodness, we're going to be okay. It's a sigh that's almost an affirmation. It's relief, and it's like, I knew it. Of course it was Peter, and that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, Christian, where it's like, oh no, she fell in love with Spider-Man first, kind of jokingly. In in the original comics, the night that like Peter puts on his Spider-Man costume for the first time and goes outside and she sees him leave Peter's bedroom as Spider-Man, she's known the whole time. Oh shit! And I, I like to think that in these movies, Mary Jane has known... She maybe wasn't 100% positive, but I think that she was able to put two and two together pretty easily. And yeah, you know, there's one scene in the movie that really pokes holes in my in my theory, which is when she decides to kiss John Jameson upside down to, yeah, I guess, stupid. see if he's Spider-Man. I like to think <sighs> she's just trying to see if she can get that same spark with someone else. I like but, that take better. Yeah, new take. I like that. And I like she doesn't. That she, she doesn't get that. No, she doesn't. But when she gets to see him turn around, it's such a big culmination of their arc over these two movies where Peter, you know, she kind of like coyly hints that, you know, like something's obviously going on and he can't reveal who he is to her. And when he, you know, turns around and, and shows her who he is, it's the face of Peter Parker, the costume of Spider-Man. It's not like he's Spider-Man and carries her off somewhere and takes the mask off and is like, ha-ha, guess what? It was me, Dio, the whole time. It's an anime reference, if you guys don't get that. I um, don't. What is Christian that from? Some JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I don't uh, watch JoJo. That's okay. But anyway, that's my that's my number one um, Well, that's solid. In the whole Going, that's solid. That is solid. That's cool. I like that. I hadn't thought of that. The thing, you mentioned that you know, it shows that oh, she are, you think she always had this feeling like I I knew, like somehow I always knew, but it goes back to that scene after the funeral in Spidey One, where uh, she touches her lips after she kisses Peter mm-hmm. as he walks away, and she's like, "Oh shit!" Like I really that, wish in that, that scene felt she'd very just been similar. like Peter. <laughs> but I think that's a good. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good hint that she probably knows. She's just not a hundred percent sure because she can't. You know, she can't prove it. Right now, she's just going off love, lip service, literally. But the power of love. That's the power <laughs> of web. 
Yeah, that was that was really good, Christian. Sorry. No, these were those were good. <laughs> those were good top threes there, and we had you know one, at least one in each where we were all the same. But for the most part, they were pretty. I mean, our number ones were all different. I like those. Those were good. And like Zach's yours. Universally praise the train sequence. Yeah, I'm oh, yeah. everyone loves with that. The train yeah. Sequence, so, yeah. You know, well, even just as an action sequence in yeah. general, it it's yeah. wonderfully staged. Yeah, I like how Zach's were and yours, Christian, were kind of more meaningful moments. Like you had more emotion. <laughs> Mine was just like visual. Like yeah, Peter gets bit. That was cool, huh? Oh, Doc Ock no, coming well, alive. That was cool, huh? <laughs> No, that the whole Doc Ock thing, and even the spider thing is cool, because I like how Sam, Mr. Raimi, first of all, his uh, horror roots in that Doc Ock sequence is really good to see. I like that. It's it's his own person. It's like a signature thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll do this movie, but you got to let me do this. Well, it fits so well, too. Mm-hmm. With the with this interpretation of Doc Ock, anyway, how he views himself as some kind of monster now. Yeah. Given the line at the end of the movie, but I like how he with the spider bite and with the uh, suit in the garbage can, it's reenacting those famous comic book panels. Yeah. From like Spider-Man No More and uh, whichever one the uh, the spider bite came in. Uh, Amazing Fantasy 15, which I okay. actually sent an online version of that to censor for him to read, and I will send Ooh. that to you as well. Is that yeah, one I'll of the get first ones? To it eventually. That is Ever? the first one. That's the first the, one? I have that. The first appearance. Well, I have... A, I, I, I mentioned it earlier. I have, like, this uh, compilation book that I got at Barnes & Noble. Oh, okay. It has, like, the first, like, several... It's, like, volume one, volume two. It has several issues from the first uh, run. Yeah, I'll get so, around to reading that. I eventually. always mean to look in, to look at it, but I never have. And I got that book like several, several years ago. Read it right now. Let's just do a reading. Just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do a bonus no. content. But that puts some stuff behind yours, Spencer. It, it resonates with you. Yeah. No, I know. I I had a good one too. <laughs> but they yeah, mine was more visual. It was that's that was my point. Yeah, I had the well, cinema that, is visual. It is. I'm a Viz guy. But, yeah, those were good stuff. Do you want to, let's just, uh, well, I have you. Let's get to the end of the season awards, get those out of the way. And then we'll okay. move on to uh, to the best fight scenes. You want to you wanna do that real quick? Because this won't, I'm not, I won't go in depth with each one. But, so end of the year rewards, as you maybe know, Zach, I don't know if you've listened to other episodes besides the Spider-Man ones. I incorporate my sports fandom into movies so like i give uh mvp award like six man of the year award for like best supporting character all that stuff so yeah so my my award ceremony starts with the the least valuable player which is a new award i haven't done this yet but the least valuable Uh player goes to envelope eddie brock when are you gonna give a guy a break because he just (laughs) didn't bring anything to anybody (laughs) And he was just thrown in, and it wasn't Topher's fault. I think he would have been fine if he'd have been established later. Or earlier, I mean, not later. That's what he was. He was established later. So least valuable player, Eddie Brock, congratulations. The Ben Parker Memorial Lifetime Achievement Award. Now, I don't even have to say this out loud, but I will. Aunt May, come on. Look at her. She's the oldest member. She's, She's achieved a lot. She's right there whenever Peter needs her. 
needs a little jump start and she she assumes the role that Uncle Ben left behind and she doesn't miss a beat. She always has the right thing to say. She does and she has I think my favorite line of the entire franchise when she says I believe there's a hero in all of us. I love that line. I love it. it Mm. Just like that too. Yeah exactly. I love it so much I watched it and just made sure I could imitate her perfectly. And my clutch performer of the year goes to Dr. Octopus. And uh. let me explain. Because he was, he's been causing this whole thing, the whole movie, right? But when it mattered most, he took back control of his arms just in time and made the sacrifice and saved the day. And that's clutch. That's worthy of the clutch performer and performance of the year. I will not die, monster. The sixth man of the year... And it's almost unfair to give this person this role because we know he's at the forefront of Peter's mind. But Ben Parker, when you need somebody off the bench to just kick you in the ass or in the balls to get you going, Ben Parker's going to be there. Even in death, he gets a moment. And, and it gets Peter kind of... It gets him going a little bit. Most Improved Player of the Year award. This one's another obvious one. I didn't. I didn't go out on a limb here. Mary Jane, and not, I know she is never great, but I'm talking from a performance standpoint. She only got better, in my opinion, as the movies went on, even though she was mainly still treated as an object and a hostage and a, a plot point, or a, a, a plot object, a, what's the word? Plot device. Plot device? Yeah, plot device. She, I felt her, and actually, I believed her in Spider-Man 3, so her best performance was in the worst movie. We've touched on that. So she just steadily improved, I think, and I appreciate that. The Coach of the Year Award, which this is like outside of the movie universe, Zach. It's the the crew member who I thought was, you know, really was, was, he consistently got better. He had the most consistently good thing throughout the entire thing. Danny Elfman. And most of the time, mm. this award, you know, traditionally this award does go to the composer. Because the music in the films we've done has just been good. But he's no exception. He gets gradually better. Like, he has my favorite themes in Spider-Man 3. How's it go, Christian? The Venom? The black suit theme? How's that go? I love it. It gets me hyped every time. I just love it. And the Sandman's... Yes. Were you about to tell me bad news? Yeah. What? Danny Elfman didn't do Spider-Man 3. He didn't? Oh! No. Ah, there's an asterisk did. by it. That's right. No, Phantom I knew that. Up, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that, too. Now I look but like an idiot. Danny He's still Elfman the most and valuable. Christopher Young for your okay, coach yes. of the year. They're sharing it. They're Danny, sharing it. With that, original, that first main title theme, I love it so much. Yeah, so for the first time ever, we're splitting the award. Thank you for bringing that to me. Because I did forget. I knew that and I forgot. And now the big award of the night. The All-Area New York MVP. And guys, we somehow have not talked about this person yet. But he's Ah. the one person that's consistently great throughout the entire thing. He is the glue. J. Jonah Jameson. Come on. Am I right? Yep. Like, how have we not talked about him? Because there's nothing that has to be said. Very true. <laughs> Moving on. Best fight scenes. <laughs> home run casting, home run performance, oh, great writing. Him. He is 
he was and still is one of the best comic book character castings. Dude, sidebar? Absolutely. Spoiler for Spider-Man Far From Home, and we've spoiled it before, but I called it, but kind of jokingly, that he was going to show up. And when he did in the Mm. post-credits, I lost it. I was like, I was, yeah, I was oh. yeah. He's, they, they did it. Like I looked to, I was, I, to the people I was with and I was like, they did it. Like they just did it. That's all I could say is they went for it. And it was so magical. It was so magical. The beauty of the multiverse. Oh man. The multiverse of madness. What? <laughs> no, I, it it's great. funny how he's an Alex Jones type. Guy. I, oh, too. they modernized him. It's beautiful. What if, guys, what if Multiverse of Madness sets up in, like, later on, J. Jonah Jameson with hair and bald J. Jonah Jameson meat? Meat! I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. And they have, like, that Spidey pointing at each other moment. I Take trust my out. barber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that'd be so good. I don't and trust then, my barber. <laughs> right? Or like he could be like, you know, Prince dead, kid, blah, 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 blah. What are you doing with the newspaper still? The Daily Bugle? That's a website now. Or something like that. <laughs> ah, that'd be cool. That'd be fan service. Just guys, this has no point being in any movie, but we're going to throw it in. Yeah. Well, having him as Jay Jonah in Far From Home was fan service. Oh, but yeah. Who else are you going to cast? He's nobody. perfect. Nick Offerman, maybe? No, come on. We were talking about that. Like we were. I'm you know, trying to think of group. Nick Offerman with a buzz cut, or like he's, a flat top. He's had it. They wouldn't even. I don't know. But we were talking about it. You and I, Christian, weren't we? In uh, before the movie, in a group message, I was. Uh-huh. We were doing like, who do you think could play him? Who do you think would play him? Well, mm-hmm. duh. But anyway, none other than uh, J.K. Simmons, of course. Obviously. Okay. Three best fight scenes. Let's let's have Zach go first this time because he All went right, last with the it. last one and we're we'll snake drafting it. We'll keep the snake draft going, yeah. So yeah. my third favorite action sequence, which is the only good action sequence in the entire third movie, is Peter vs. Harry. Yep. In okay. Yep. In the Goblin Lair, because there is just so much emotion behind it. It's a fight scene that matters for more than just being a fight scene. Um. And also the whole, like, throwing the, like, when he catches the pumpkin bomb and throws it back in slow motion and it explodes on Harry's face, like, oh, it's iconic. But those two just beat the shit out of each other. And by that, I mean, Peter basically just beat the shit out of Harry. Mm -hmm. And I... Emotionally, um, too. Yeah. Honestly, I, I thought you were talking about the first one, the first Harry versus Peter, when he's chasing the ring. Uh, mm. no, I was just okay. I would agree with you on the uh, Harry Peter fight scene in his house, but take the music out. Yeah, I think it would it... be more. F- to, to me, the music makes it more like it's a dance, like they're dance fighting in a way. Like, yeah. I couldn't feel the emotion behind it. But I can see that now that you said it, I can see that now. But the having no music, almost like having no music in Empire Strikes Back between Vader and Luke, how that makes the the the, uh, the fight even more 
um, impactful. Just having no... Um, oh, here's another one. Having no music like Goblin and Peter did in Spider-Man 1 mm. in mm. the warehouse. Mm. So, yeah, and there's more of that ring theory is the, you know... Norman kills Ooh. himself with his own goblin, and Peter is able to redirect the pumpkin bomb back at Harry, and also with just how violent and visceral that fight is in general, mm -hmm. yeah. and with both of them, like with P with Peter being unmasked for the most part, you know, those two scenes have a lot of mirroring of each other that they do, mm. so... Well, I think it, it it makes it more emotional too, because it's Harry versus Peter. It's not New Goblin versus Spider Man. There's no costuming. It's just oh. them. Ooh, good point. Every now and then I'll have one of those. No, that's, that's I, awesome. That's why I called it Peter versus Harry yes. on my feet here. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Because that's and what also, it is. The pumpkin blowing up in Harry's face, uh, juxtaposed with the pumpkin blowing up in Peter's face. It's almost a similar mm. shot, too. Same side of the face, too. Yeah. Guess the serum doesn't stop scarring, just like the uh, like the radioactive spider juice does, because not a scratch on Pete. Mm -hmm. And I, almost, I do like the, like you said, the visceral violence of the fight, because it's their, not necessarily Peter's anger, to, well, kind of, since he took the love of his life away or was making out with her or whatnot, but it's externalized the conflict between them. It's raw emotion. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, Bernie's just like sitting in the corner, just like, oh, you're Can't wait till this is over. Sir, did you want that food now or later, <laughs> sir? Oh my gosh, dude. Your, Mc, Mc, your, your McDouble's getting cold. <laughs> I need a doctor, Bernard. A doctor, doctor, get me help. <laughs> Don't just stand there, throw me a spear. All right. uh, uh, doctor, geez. doctor. <laughs> oh, Bernard. So, in place of the train sequence, I picked the first fight between Otto and Peter mm -hmm. for the number two fight scene from the movies. They in the bank? Such, in the bank, yep. And it's not necessarily in the bank. It's when they get outside the bank and they start fighting on, like, the clock tower and stuff like that. The way that they choreograph that fight sequence to have it be Peter as Spider-Man fighting like a spider and Otto Octavius fighting mm. like an octopus would. And yes. those two, like, you know, like the arms intertwining with, like, Peter while he's, like, fending off each one and Peter's, like, crawling all over Otto like a spider would. It's just awesome. And then they bring in May there, you know, for Peter to have to save because he can't just fight Otto normally because he's a bad guy. There have to be extra stakes, too. Mm -hmm. But... The best part of that whole scene is when May like hits Otto with like her stick, if I'm yes. remembering that correctly. Shame on you. Oh my gosh, I loved that so much. But yeah, that's I won't we don't have to go too much into that one, but I just thought that was brilliantly choreographed and it was the first like big fight scene from Spider Man two. Yeah. Well. So it was like, Hey, we're really gonna up the quality of the action in this. It's cool that one. May did her own stunts too. Or Rosemary Harris did. She actually for that sequence. she dangled from there when she lift weights right before because there's no way she can hold herself up. <laughs> like Obviously, that. the building, yeah, the she's side like of the 140 building is forty years old. Under thirty nine, <laughs> actually. But <laughs> hey, she fought in the Civil War. Is she still alive? She's not. She is. She is. is. She she is. is. Her huh. daughter is in Contagion. 
Oh, interesting. I didn't know that until just recently. But carry on. Number, number one. one. So, Spencer. Yes. Not Spencer. You're not. Well, you are Spencer. I am. Yes, I am. But I'm yes, not I talking am. to Spencer. I'm talking to Christian. Hey, Christian. So, mm. Do you remember that thing earlier when you asked me how I felt about the Queensboro Bridge scene and mm-hmm. then replacing Gwen Stacy with Mary Jane? So, I own a copy of Amazing Spider-Man 122, which is the death of Green Goblin. And the fight scene, the raw emotion that's in the fight scene and the way that Green Goblin dies is pulled straight out of that comic. And it is just, it's done so well. It's so comic accurate. What they're fighting for is mostly accurate. And it is my favorite fight scene from these because of how much is practical. And Mm. the way that they've built up these characters to, I mean, you talked about the structure of the films, how you have like one and then the other going through their origin story at the same time. While the origin stories keep going and going and going until they meet each other, you know, fighting each other here in the end of their collective character arc. The mm-hmm. problem I have with the scene, even though I think it's the best fight scene in the whole, in the whole series, the problem uh-huh. I have is in amazing Spider-Man 121. The reason why Peter Parker goes after the green goblin to try to kill him. is because Gwen Stacy dies yeah. right before it. And in this, there's, it just takes something away from it. When Peter's able to save everyone right yeah. here, and he saves Mary Jane, he saves the kids, and everyone's fine, and then they go fight. In the in the comics, Peter fights and fights, and he's going to land the killing blow, and then he says, what's the point? What would this even accomplish? This isn't who I'm supposed to be. And I, I put a comment on your page about this and how Peter's true origin story in the comics, I think, ends after the death of Gwen Stacy. Because the ego gets taken out of it. And he goes through this whole transformation of, I'm going to kill the goblin. I'm going to kill Norman Osborn because of what he did. And then at the last second, he decides not to, and Norman kills himself. And in this, it's just, me and mm. your girlfriend are going to have a good time. And that's what, <sighs> that's what gets Peter to get up and fight. And it's, it's beautiful because it's the power of love. That's what you talked mm-hmm. about in, yes. your first, in your first episode. But I just can't help but feel like even though it's my number one favorite fight scene, it's cheapened by what came before it. Yeah. Okay. No. Good list. I dig That's it. A good list. Me too. You're really going to dig it. <laughs> Emo Peter. Christian, what are your top three fight scenes? Top three? Well, they're a little okay. unconventional and As, somewhat predictable. Yes. Mm-hmm. I personally like the random thugs montage in Spider-Man 1. Because... Up to this point, this is the first time you get to really see Spider-Man, I mean, legitimately studio-produced live-action film doing this stunt choreography. Not real. It's CGI, of course. Some of it's practical, some mixed in with CG, but it's the first time you get to see the character Spider-Man, like, fighting, like, street criminals in New York City, like, webbing them up, uh... Between uh, telef- telephone poles, uh, street light <laughs> uh, poles, uh, stopping him from robbing a Brink van, uh, you know, that sort of thing. He's doing all these flips and shit, and I, I, I just love seeing that the first time. It's kind of thrilling. It's like we're seeing Spider-Man in live action doing this stuff. 
it's cool to see. It's just kind of exhilarating to see. Just like the swinging through the city when he's going after the guy that killed Uncle Ben, or who he thought killed him, but... Yeah, and, and that's his namesake there, beating up those thugs, because he's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Those are just neighborhood guys. They're not world, mm-hmm. you know, world-enders or whatever. They're just, yeah, guys he's going to take They're care of. A common criminal. Easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's going to have a little fun with them. Number two. Number two. Oh. I spoke about this a little bit, but the abandoned warehouse scene after the Queensboro Bridge sequence... When he, when he hooks on to Peter, Spider-Man, and slams him into that building and throws the pumpkin bomb at him, his face explodes, yeah. all that stuff. He's unmasked, and he's just really struggling against uh, the goblin at this point. And I love the lack of music. It makes it yes. so much more impactful, just like the Vader thing again, or Obi-Wan and Vader in A New Hope. But... Now, you feel that you, back when I was a kid, or even now, anyways, you see like how big of a toll this battle has had on him. Like his wrist is shaking as he's trying to like lift it to shoot a web, and he, you know, Goblin steps on it and stops him from doing it. Just the visuals of it, the the character, and him trying to struggle to just keep fighting. And then the MJ thing happens, and he says, "We're gonna have a hell of a time." And but now I, I get what really you said. Pissed me off. Yeah, and you can see Defoe's mouth. Now I'm gonna finish it, nice and slow. That mess. Shink. <laughs> but I can uh, understand. I also understand now that I never thought of that. I didn't know how that scene uh, ended up in the comics. But I can understand how you can see how that would be cheapened by how it happens in the movie. Because I, re- I really like the whole, like, oh, one more blow and I'll kill him, but what's the point? Like, what would this do for me? Except make me a murderer. Again, I mean, he's already killed one you guy. You know, he didn't kill him, Spencer. Sorry, he, he was an accessory to a murder, as I've said. <laughs> just you're seeing, you're seeing your hero who just got done saving both the kids and the girl, yet he successfully fought all through the movie and now at this point he's like down to his knees and that's that's the great thing about uh i think what stan lee talks about like peter parker his heroes they have human flaws or they're human beings but you know they have superhuman powers but they still have their limits they're not perfect no i think we can guess what your number one is because you said it's predictable but go ahead and tell us anyway train scene okay yep do you want to move right on to finn score yeah then? I feel like we haven't talked about the train scene enough, though. Can we talk about that more? <laughs> All right, well, Zach, thanks for being with us. Uh, yeah. Cut his mic. <laughs> no, Do we want to rank the villains real quick? Oh, yeah. we could, Let's do that real quick. I didn't write them down, but it's it's a pretty easy list. And we've talked enough about the villains, so we mm-hmm. can just do this like ba ba ba. Wait, no. So sure. you can were we last your... with this. Did we get yours, good? Spencer? We didn't. We didn't nope, you didn't. You sure didn't. Yeah. You sure Holy didn't. crap. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, go, go for it. <laughs> okay, I'll just go quick because all these have been mentioned. But number three, Doc Ock versus Spidey and Aunt May for all the reasons we talked about. I just love it. Even the old woman's strength. Number two, Spidey versus Gobby in Spider-Man 1 because I love 
the the location of it the rundown what is that i don't even know what it is it's not a warehouse is it it's, a, it's almost like a cemetery i couldn't think something. of what it was either i think it's like an but abandoned I just visually port something but uh, number one is the train sequence so obviously how many villains are there like six hold on or five so there's three in the third one so I'm gonna break four or five. The snake yeah, there's five. Here. I'm gonna break the snake draft okay. here, and I'm just gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go in order of my villains. And this one, number one, J. Jonah Jameson. Okay, what? So you okay? All right. I hey, all right. Right. I mean, is <laughs> okay. he like a true villain? No, uh, but he's definitely like an antagonist to Spider-Man, right? And we haven't talked about him enough, so yeah. Right. So yeah, number one, J. Jonah Jameson. Number two, Doctor Octopus. Mm. Number three is the Norman Osborn Green Goblin. Yep, Norman Gosborn, yeah. Norman Gosborn, yeah. The Norman Osborn <laughs> Green Goblin, yeah. Number four, I put Sandman. Yeah. And uh, it's just everyone else after that. Yes, that's fair. I didn't, I didn't order it after those, after those guys. That's totally fair, because they don't really deserve it, so we're good. Okay. Christian, you go next. Okay. Huh. Number one, Dr. Octopus. Number two, Harry Osborn slash New Goblin, if that's what you want to call him. Number three, Sandman. Number four, Green Goblin, Norman Osborn. Number five, Venom. And as a consolation, number six, those dickheads on the board of Oscorp. <laughs> there you go. That's good. And number right. seven, the general. <laughs> oh, Yeah. We're going to pull Number your funding. Eight, those guys that ambushed Mary Jane Watson and went... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, number nine, honorable mention. Come on. And this was an honorable mention for my best fight scenes. I can't even believe I forgot to mention it in all the excitement. Bonesaw versus Spider-Man. Oh. That's his first fight. Oh, you're right. That's his first How fight. How can we forget? Bonesaw oh, is ready. ready. <laughs> oh, I got no. you for three minutes. Okay. <laughs> What are you doing up there? Staying away from you. Staying away from you. All right, yeah. Toby, can you give us a little <laughs> bit more? Yeah, let me try it this way. Staying away from you. Damn it. Yep, that's all right. that's really good. That's really good, Toby. We're good. He is contractually obligated to be here. Okay, fine. Yep, good. Ugh. Uh, best villains. I'm going to go from the bottom. You guys went from the top. Number last, Venom. <clears throat> Number second to last, Harry Gosborn, number next one from him, Sandman. Number next guy, lost count, Green Gob, Green Gobs, Green Gobs. Number two, yes, number three, number two. What am I doing? Number one. <laughs> Best villain is Dr. Octopus. Moving on, can we? Jeez. We I forgot to get through the podcast. How to count. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, well, yeah, welcome to the if podcast. If you really want to get meta, best villain is uh, Peter Parker as How he fights his own battle against himself in the second movie. I mean, if we really want to get real technical, the worst villain in this is the people that allowed Spider Man 3 to happen how it did. The producers. <laughs> the number one villain of all the Spider-Man movies. Sony. Avi Arad. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh... 
score stuff. Zach, you are going to be our audience for this, and you just say where you can give us a number if you can think of it off the top of your head, or just say, "Hey, I agree with him or him." Oh, okay. Yeah, let me let me see if I can pit you two against each other even more. <laughs> no, no, I I I didn't. I didn't tell you to have these prepared for some reason, and I'm not sure why. That's okay. But, um, Christian, why don't you go first? Uh, okay. Uh, first, give me just your numbers, each movie, what you gave it out of 100. Out of 100? Okay. This yeah, one remember, I kind of know, struggled with, and I planned on going back and kind of refining the number after I thought about it more, but I this, this is what I have. Spider-Man, 95. Spider-Man 2, 99. Spider-Man 3, 86. What are you, Christian Gal? What? Damn it. <laughs> you, fine. No, that's good. That's a good list. I'm glad we even each other out. That's really good. You're so generous. Zach, 86 for Spider-Man 3. Yeah, I'm just saying right now. I agree with <laughs> no, Christian, that's honestly, I make fun of you, but I love how your numbers are so vastly different from mine. That's what makes this work. So I, th I think I'm. <laughs> I don't want to lower them just for the sake of lowering you can lower the them. individual movie. Okay, fine. That's from fair. having listened to you guys, I can tell that Christian has a very deep emotional relationship with this trilogy. Yes. And I think he's allowed to, with a character like Spider-Man, you're allowed to use your emotions to dictate how good you think it is. Thank That's you. That's fine. Which is exactly the opposite of how I feel about these things. Uh. But <laughs> they're divisive. They've always been divisive. They always will be. There's going to be someone who loves them. And I, Christian, I respect your love for these movies. It's Spider-Man. I don't. You feel however you want about it. I'm just glad you love these movies. No, and I love them. I don't watch. I love them. I'm just realistic about them. <laughs> Cuts to Spencer. He's wearing a hood. <laughs> okay. Speaking of emotions, why don't yeah, you hit us yours? with your you emotional impact? Oh, oh, you want me to do that? Spider-Man, eighty. Spider-Man two, eighty-six, and Spider-Man three. Here's the big one. This is where we are different by about 26 because I gave it... This is the lowest score I've given a movie so far. 60. Which is really generous. Uh. I cannot tell you how badly I wanted to just give it like a 30. But I was like, you know what? No. There is some good to it. I'll give it a 60. That's a D. I have to save my mm. failing grades okay. for a later franchise. I'll... That I'll that's fine. That's fine. Yo, is that okay with you? <laughs> get into your emotional impact. Let's just go right into All the big right. one and get to the bottom of it. So, Zach, how this works, we've broken it down, and listeners, we've broken this Finn score, final important necessary score, down to we, we, we score out of 100 five categories. We add up the total and then, you know, divide our combined totals by five to get it's mathematics it's just basic math so you guys uh, use math to make a number that represents how you feel about these movies yes i know it's <laughs> it's it. backwards Whoa. but yes it's 
kind of makes as much sense as Spider-Man 3. So emotional impact, Christian. What's your number? Emotional impact. <laughs> okay. All right. 94. I'm going to guess. I'm, oh, 94. Okay. I was going to guess one. 94 for emotional impact. You got all the stuff between Peter and Aunt May. Heavy, heavy emotional impact stuff there. Um, Aunt May's acting, Rosemary Harris. She puts everything into these performances i mean even when she just wipes a tear away it it's so genuine i love that um the personal relationships with peter parker my own relationship with the character having i don't know i just empathize with him a lot sure like with some of the Empathy. struggles that he's gone through in the movies i feel similar about that sort of thing the music and emotional impact it has to do with just how does the movie you know goes without saying how does the movie make you feel it like even just from the opening title with that music from danny elfman it gets me pumped it gets me happy it gets me excited the whole thing about this movie is elation in a way elation and heroics you get most of this in the first movie but yeah just the thrill of seeing spider-man on screen for the first time it's awesome yes it that's is. part of that you get tragedy, romance, comedy, too, sometimes misfired, but empathy, elation, that sort of thing. That's why I gave it such a high number. Hey, I can Am I going respect on? that. Yeah, you're <laughs> going to go on. Storytelling, I want to guess your number real quick. Yeah. All right, storytelling based on uh, 127. <laughs> you're funny, you know that? You're, you're great on the curve. Yeah. All right. Do oh, it. Eighty-nine Zach gets bored and leaves us. Storytelling. Eighty-nine. Storytelling. Eighty-nine. Okay, that's, that's okay. I'm surprised. Um, Spider-Man one. Great origin. Great development of the characters, in my opinion. Um, there's the cinematic versions. Um, of course. Um, it sets the characters up. It sets things in motion. It sets up the second movie with Harry. You get Spider-Man 2, which is almost the next natural evolution. Like, okay, now that he's Spider-Man, how does he balance his real life as Peter Parker with being Spider-Man? And how does his relationships and with that with MJ and Harry and Aunt May and his work and his and Dr. Connors and all this and that and Uncle Ben even from Beyond the Grave, how does that influence uh, what he's able to do? And Spider-Man 3 really derails it with uh, the lack of focus. On a real tight villain. Uh, yeah. Like, I really believe that they should have, like, I know Sam didn't want to do it, but I, I think with the theme of him uh, letting the arrogance get to his head and having it, uh, he's finally got what he wants with MJ and being Spider-Man, but having that arrogance and the ego get in the way of that was the next step. Now that he's he's past that threshold of that conflict from the last movie, he has to fight this new thing. And I think the symbiote, and Venom would have been the perfect internal external villain to kind of show that without bringing in the Uncle Ben stuff again. Mm-hmm. Just focus on Venom and uh, and Harry. That should have been what it had. That's why I that's why I brought it down to eighty nine. But that's about it for that. You want to move on to characters now? Yeah, yeah. Just zip through yours. I'll zip through mine. Characters. 98. 98. And why did I do that? I have no idea. Why don't you tell us? <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> sorry. 
Do you really okay. want to know? <laughs> I, yeah, I this guess. This story is not for the faint of heart. Anyway, no, a lot of the story and the emotional impact and things like that come from the relationships between these characters. I mean, you don't, if you don't have good characters, you don't have a good story. And for the most part, these movies have good stories, minus the third one. But, I mean, you got J. Jonah Jameson, well cast. Um, yeah. Otto Octavius and Sandman are really good villains in that they start off not as villains, but once they become villains, they have reasons behind it. They're not just evil for the sake of evil or just insanity. There's reasons why they're acting the way they are. Mm-hmm. And you they're pretty decent Uncle, reasons. Yeah. Peter and Uncle Ben, Peter and MJ, that conflict in the second movie between choosing between Uncle Ben and what he wants and what Peter wants with MJ, Harry and Norman, all these relationships, that that j- just the characters themselves and the way they interact with each other, I love it. Uh, and this is what I was going to ask earlier. Do you think, for the way Eddie Brock was characterized in Spider-Man 3, do you think Topher Grace was the right choice? No. For the way he is in the movie, that smarmy, yellow journalist, muckraker, no. basically. I think he would have been a very fine Peter Parker Spider-Man, and I've said that. Okay. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay. And then, of course, you got Gwen Asterisk Stacy. For the the listeners, uh, when Christian asked that, Zach's neck almost broke because he was shaking it back and forth so hard. (laughs) I thought I heard something. Yeah, it was his crunch. Gwen Asterisk Stacy. For Spider-Man 3. Kind of a disservice to the character, especially what happens to her in the comic and in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Mm -hmm. which that is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm -hmm. Just the the emotional impact of that in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Cannot wait until you guys do those two movies. We're going to have you back on for them. You know what's funny? What we almost did for our next franchise is um, it was going to be like a out of the blue surprise like oh we were gonna play it off like oh christian so our next franchise it's weird because we just did this are are we getting rebooted already and it would have been like a little inside joke because of how long it didn't take to reboot and we were just gonna do those right after this but we decided against it we're giving spider-man a break anyway uh visual style visual style visual style 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 88 Okay. 88. And that has to do somewhat with the change in the DP between uh, the mm-hmm. two films. Word. Word. Bill Pope, cinematographer for Spider-Man 2 and 3, whereas you had what you mentioned in uh, uh, the original episode. Uh, Don Burgess did uh, Spider-Man 1 of uh, Forrest Gump fame, mm-hmm. Aquaman, yeah. Castaway, Polar Express. Bill Pope did the, the Matrix and... Just uh, recent, more recently, the Jungle Book, the so live got, action one. They got some big, some big names, really. Yeah, but there, uh, you can tell there's a big difference. Um, I don't know. Was Spider Man two and three shot on film or digital? I don't. Because it looks digital to me. <clears throat> it probably was. You can tell know. the film of uh, Spider Man one. You can tell it's a different DP too, but. 
to some, and that's why you see such a similarity in the action choreography between two and three. How there's no new, there's not really any new choreography or anything impressive to wow anybody, because Bill Pope did both of them. Gotcha. Now, not to say he's bad at his job. That's not it's what I mean. It's just different. Yeah, it's different. But though, I like the way the costume looks in Spider-Man Two the best. Just the the brighter they did this yep. in in uh, Spider-Man Two, by the way, too. They changed the suit a little bit. They made the colors pop more. Mm-hmm. Um, ever so slightly. I like but that. Ever so effective. The the web sling, the sound design, the action set pieces, all great. Love yes. them. Not as much as in Spider-Man Three, but I love it best in Spider-Man Two. Because it it that really was where they hit the top, like they climaxed in Spider-Man Two. That's what she said. In terms yes. of story, <laughs> story and visual style, I like the comic bookiness of some of the shots sometimes, but mm-hmm. they're not really visual style. That has nothing to do with visual style. But I love the intros, as I said in yeah, every single are, episode. Those are fine. I don't care if they're just opening titles. It's just like it's like the Superman opening titles with John Williams' score. This is like the modern equivalent of that. It's awesome. And. Music. 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 Ah, let's see here. What did I give music? 90. We're on par. Yeah, music in 90. We're on par. Great score. Great score by Danny Elfman. He really set the tone in the first movie. Carried it into the second. Unfortunately, it was a little... He had his hands a little bit tied from the working with Sam on the second movie, which caused a little schism between the two. Yeah. But... Uh, Christopher Young did a great job too, carrying over the themes and and, yeah, and coming my favorite with new theme. ones. Birth of Sandman, uh, the ba, 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 da, theme, Dark Suit Spider Man. Um, but it, it, it makes it a little inconsistent too. In I that can sense, see that. That I it changes that. gears in the third movie, even though he follows the formula pretty well. Like I mean, you you didn't tell didn't, the difference. I didn't fucking know. I sound like um, an idiot. Uh, brilliant themes, but repetitive use of cues. And that has to do with, I think, Raimi's uh, devotion to the original score for the first one and the themes that Danny came up with. Uh-huh. Um, also, great selection of songs to uh, encapsulate each movie. Like Hero. Oh, yeah. With, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do we have Creed in studio? Or I mean, Nick, uh, J- Chad Kroger in in studio. Chad Kroger, is that you? I got him. Chad Kroger. <laughs> That's probably how he sounds too. Hey, hey. I bet he just uh, if you're talking to him, it's he like that. But then he's um yeah no I just the the inspiration for my music really comes from uh, the heart. Photograph. <laughs> Look at this photograph. Chad, can you dial it down? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look at this photograph. Okay. Sidebar, I saw a video once. It was uh, some guy imitating Chad Kroger. He's like, how Chad Kroger sings, gets his voice. And it it's all close up on his face. And he's singing. And he's like, and it zooms out. And it's a guy sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? There's a vine where somebody <laughs> edited it. So it. He they photoshopped or whatever video shopped in Chad Crow instead of holding up a photograph he's holding up like a mathematical bar graph and it just look goes look at this graph look at this graph <laughs> and it just hangs on him for a second it's so funny 
It's so funny. <laughs> okay. Look at this graph. Just look at it. Oh, man. Okay, add up your well, numbers yeah. real quick. Here all oh, vindicated sorry. in sorry. Signal yes. Fire. Sorry. Isn't it Signal Fire from Snow Patrol? I don't know. Vindicated is, is great for Spider-Man 2 by Dashboard Confessional. Uh, oh, third yeah. one's good too, but now I don't even remember it. So uh, that's mine. Oh shit! Your, I gotta add them all up. Add up your things, and while you're doing that, I'll just do mine, uh, and I'll just go through them quick. Emotional impact, I gave an 84, and now I'm. These are all a little skewed, just because Spider-Man Three is a part of these. I have to take into account. So as an overall, so 84. And I mean, Spider-Man was a part of my childhood. I told Christian hmm. this. I, it was uh, during a time when I was spending a lot of time with my, who would they'd later become my, my legal guardians, my sister and brother-in-law. I was hanging out with my brother-in-law and we, we bonded over going to movies one summer because I was helping him with housing stuff. And this was before I lived with him. And we just really, really bonded. And he took me to see Spider-Man. And it, was, it was just fun. It was really fun. And I'll, I'll always remember, you know, those are the memories that I remember. As memories do, you remember the memories. Wow. Okay. Storytelling, I gave a 79. And again, everything Christian said about storytelling, I won't say again. But then it falls off as Spider-Man 3, and that's why it's below an 80. Characters, and this is on the actors, really. I I couldn't bring myself to give it too high of a thing, even though we get great villains sometimes and J. Jonah Jameson, one of the best characters portrayals of any character from any adapted thing ever. But I gave that a 74 characters. Visual style is pretty basic, but they all the visuals, like how it, some of them seem like they're right out of the animated series or right out of the comic books. You get that feel. Mm. And I, I just love that. I gave that a 77 for some reason, I don't really know why I gave it that low, but I did, and that's I'm stuck with that. I, I have to live with that every day. But the music <laughs> is my big hitter, and Christian and I are on the same level with this. Uh, 90. That's that's the big one, because right. it consistently got better for me. And like the one theme, like I tell you, every time I hear it, I get hyped, and it makes me think, hey, maybe this movie is good. Oh, nope, it's not. Gotcha. But I'm it gives surprised me a you didn't bit of have that as one of your best moments. What? Is when he gets the black suit Dang on it. and he looks at himself well, and is like, what is this? Now that you say that, that's an honorable mention because that is cool, that specific part. But I wasn't even thinking of best moments from that one because I was just like, there's no way. But yes, that is a really, mm. that's an honorable mention. That and Sandman's creation. That was actually on my list for a hot minute, but I decided to put Sandman above it. <sighs> but the when, when Toby, sorry, when Peter is able to get rid of the symbiote, Oh, oh yes. Dead. And it goes on to Eddie instead is a really, really awesome scene. And yes. it's not as good as The Birth of Sandman. Though. No, it's visually mm. stunning. I love it. But the one thing that that scene does that I can't forgive is everybody close to Peter has heard Spider-Man talk up close. <laughs> no idea who he is. But you get Eddie Brock who, in a dark room, at 80 stories up, he hears a, a person, maybe it's a person, we don't even know, it could be bats, but he hears a person, we presume, assume, screaming, that he's never heard scream, and he's, that's Peter Parker! And I, I can't forgive it. Because there's no, uh-uh. 
just uh uh-uh. nope yeah i get I, you uh, but i like uh, the fact that that takes place in a church too just the thematic uh, underpinnings of it with him take ripping this thing off of him that yeah. caused him it's pain poetic and... that is also pulled straight from the comics oh that shot the just that it takes place in a church. Oh, oh good. I'm glad okay. the original the original Eddie Brock. Yep that that takes place. In well, the it's cool. Well, so. It's like him peeling off the sin. Like oh yeah, cleansing himself. That's I like that. of it. Now, Christian, what was your number when you averaged it out? What was your I added up four fifty nine. Do I divide that by five? Yes. How many times have we done this? I still have to ask you how to do it. 459 divided by 5 is 91.8. Do we round up to 92? Yeah. Five. Well, I I rounded for mine. Okay, mine was an 81. So we have 92 plus 81 gives it 173. 173 divided by 2. 86! Balls, dude. When you hear... That's fair. But when you hear where it ranks... When you hear where (laughs) it ranks among our... Dude, that puts it above Star Wars by one. Well, here's the thing about that. What? Even with... I'm not... I haven't thought this well enough. I might regret it later. Yeah. But even with the... With episode three. Even with Spider-Man 3 derailing things a little bit it still somewhat has better continuity consistency between the first two films even the third one than all nine of the star wars films do I'm gonna it, be it, you honest, could argue we're going to lose you could listeners. Argue. i'm sorry we're gonna lose credibility and we're gonna lose listeners again i'm just taking a hot take here i haven't really thought out that much but. Apparently, that's okay. That's okay. It's the Finn has spoken. <laughs> the Finn has spoken. So now our standing rankings are as follows: of the four franchises, number four, Austin Powers at seventy-seven, where it belongs. Yes, Star number three, Star Wars, and man, it hurts my soul. But at number three, Star Wars at eighty-five. Number two. Okay, I'm going to stop you here for a second. We got to redo our Star Wars then. Okay, we'll revisit that. Because we didn't do that. it by the same criteria as we are now. Fair enough. We'll do that, but not today. We don't have to go yep. through each one. We'll yeah, just be yeah, like, yeah. and there's been an epifucking... What? Okay. So, <laughs> with an asterisk, number two, Spider-Man 86. And just hanging strong at number one, Toy Story with a 90. Come on. Hasn't been dethroned yet. Well, but I know one Toy franchise that will. Toy Story is a class will. act. It is. Except for number four. But even number four couldn't bring it down. So Zach, earlier in the show, I I mentioned your your wife. If she's available, I would actually really love for her to make a cameo appearance because I want her opinion on how the women in these movies are portrayed. And I think I know, mm. but I we've never had a, a female voice on this show, and we need one because 
much like Spider-Man, we have been not very representative you know, of women. We're called we the sequel be. men, but we do not discriminate. No. Let's just make that clear. I can't. Hey, guess who's here? Okay. Needs hey. no introduction, but Zach, introduce us to your beautiful wife. This is my wife, Hannah. Hannah! Hi. Long time no Welcome chat. How show. are you? I know. It's nice to see you guys. Yes. How are you? I'm good. Just dyed my hair again. <laughs> That's Ooh. been one of my favorite uh, sagas on on the Facebook. Is we? It, it's like Dennis Rodman. He he was a uh, uh, he played for the Bulls. He always had a different color hair every game. And I'm just like, oh, what yeah? color hair is she gonna have? And I, I look forward to that. I do. I'm not. I'm not saying that sarcastically. I find it. It's fun. It keeps it fun. It Quarantine fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Hannah married to Zach. Uh, we if our first. Our first female correspondent on the show, so Yay. yeah, Woo. so uh, a fellow Spidey fan. So I'm just gonna give you the floor. Give us your thoughts on the Spider-Man Sam Raimi franchise as a whole, and then specifically, I want your and I said I can kind of guess, but your your take on how the women were represented in these, uh. <laughs> yeah, or how they were misrepresented. Um. Well, I mean, like. We're all around the same age, so, like, we all grow up with it, and, you know, when I first saw it, I was a kid, so it was very surface value when I was a kid, and just thought, like, ooh, they're all pretty, they're yeah. all cool and everything, so I think as I'm older, and especially because uh, we watched it the other night, I think, I mean, it's very run-of-the-mill early 2000s. Yes. You're not so good at portraying women. It's all very surface value. I mean, one thing that we were we were talking about with ages and how um, Tobey Maguire is so old, and then he was like, "Well, at least you know Kirsten Dunst's twenty. I'm like, of course she's gonna be twenty. They gotta get them really young. They're yeah. not gonna like cast like super duper old women that are no. the same age as them. They always try to go younger. So I I think it was it's pretty typical. Um, I mean it's not, it's fun to have like a character like Mary Jane." And to, like, have her be fun and be her own woman and still, like, have it be, you know, good representation and her being her own character without, like, the need of, like, another man for her story and everything. But, I mean, obviously that's not what happened in any of the stories. Not at all, no. She just became an accessory. And I think that's what it always has kind of been in those movies where it's, like, you know, Lois Mm. Lane's in Superman and... And, you know, Mary Jane is with Spider-Man, and it's just always like, you know, they're the damsel in distress, and that's yeah. kind of all they get reduced to. But I think, especially with, like, uh, you know, like, Into the Spider-Verse and those movies today, I feel like women are, are definitely being uh, represented and given a more fleshed-out um, story and just a more complex and human character. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's just one thing that you just don't get these days. Uh, those, those days back in um, yeah. the early 2000s and everything. Mm. Even well, Gwen thing. in The Amazing Spider-Man oh, yeah, was no, she, I a thought, good example of that. Yeah, I, I think they really did try to push for that in the Amazing Spider-Man series where they were like, I mean, it's Emma Stone. She tends to like to play those characters anyway. Great um, actress. Yeah, yes, definitely. Yes. And they really tried to give her more of a purpose and a meaning without, like, completely relying on mm-hmm. um, Peter's, like, everything. You know, they tried to make characters seem, like, really strong and independent. It can sometimes be a little bit, like, 
too heavy on that. It's like, I don't need you, and I'm just going to be angry at you the whole time. Right. Mm. They also can be tenderhearted and be, you know, vulnerable and more soft-spoken and still be, you know, good characters. It's just hard to find that balance because I feel like a lot of people are male writers when it comes to that stuff. Oh, yeah. They don't understand, like, the, just, just, you know, make them... Make them like you, but make them a girl, really. <laughs> yeah, and even like, like I'm a dude, I can't, I'll be honest, I, I've i written a few screen, you know, just in college screenplays and stuff, mm. nothing's yeah. coming from, but I, it's hard to write women, because I'm not one, and I don't want to, mm. you got to be careful, because mm. I don't want to misrepresent oh them, and right. I don't want to overdo it to where yeah. it's not realistic, and I'm just, I'm yeah. not... So it, yes. it's it's tough. So it, you know, in their defense, they're they're dude writers, I, dude director. But right, <laughs> I, I do I like a where we are nowadays. With that. A, a, yeah. a better, a little better. But going on the issue of women in film, and in narrative roles and things like that, uh-huh. I had a role that I had originally written for Spencer's character in my thesis that it was just a like a loving wife, matriarch type of character, which didn't really do anything. She was just there for him. Right. To comfort him and his stress and things like that. And and my my producer Carice was she's really good at producing, by the way, Carice Bartlett. Shout out. Hey. She helped me in making that decision, I believe, and to cut her out. Because it's like, you know, it, what's the there's it's not really a meaningful meaningful role. She's kind of there for him. She doesn't really have any autonomy. And that's kind of the way MJ is in these yeah. movies. Yeah, it almost would have so. been better to not have her at all re- instead of having her but misrepresenting her. She gets some sort of redemption in the third one, but mm-hmm. like we get to A focus on her and her issues. Yeah, but that's nice sh- that they added that. I'm pretty guilty in my thesis. <laughs> I although it was intentional because my character, my character was he was a douche. But I wrote his wife. She had a very, a very small role. But it was just your typical. Like I kind of ignored her. I got home and we, just when you think we're about to have a moment, at the end of it, I'm like, hey, what's for dinner? But it was the character. It was intentional to show right. how he was a dude. But yeah, it did. Yeah. But these Spider-Man films just are real guilty mm-hmm. of not knowing mm-hmm. what. And I'll credit they almost gave Mary Jane a purpose when she was coming up behind Doc Ock and was going to hit him with something, but then he saw her and just slapped her away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I would say. It's yeah. kind of more like, oh, she is strong and she is independent, but oopsie, didn't quite get it. It's but like she's kind not. Of you almost had it. You got to be quicker than that, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And it's, but it's, it's like you don't need to have all those characters be badass like that, where it's like I can fight and I can do that. It's like, well, is it realistic? You know, like it's okay if she can't, you know, pull like throw all the punches and stuff, but like she could still have that. Like just, just making her human and making her more fleshed out is just what you really need to and do. And she, like we've we've said, Hannah, you well, you wouldn't know, but. Uh, in Spider-Man 3, the worst one, she <laughs> actually, I think, has her best moments because she kind of does take control a little bit when, like, Peter goes off on Spider-Man and she's, like, like trying to relate to her and she stops and, like, listen, shut up. This isn't about you and Spider-Man. <laughs> this is about me. Like, listen to me. This is my 
probably she we just don't get enough of it throughout the whole all three right. mm-hmm. which is sad but it's it's a product of the early 2000s we didn't know how to handle i mean it's not the <laughs> 1920s where they should have known how to handle <laughs> women characters but apparently yeah. they didn't that sucks but I, it's, it's like Kristen said you know that there, women were just kind of always an accessory to the male protagonist and were just meant to add like a love interest and add like something sensual to the side so it's understandable that those movies would kind of treat Mary Jane and other characters like her in that light. Yeah, and they they got better with, and we'll talk about Mm -hmm. this eventually when we do the Amazing Spider-Man little mini franchise, but uh, Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy, Mm -hmm. I thought, was a huge leap forward in these type of movies Mm -hmm. for representing a female character because she she didn't do, like, the fighting, you know, combat stuff. She didn't have those moments because that wouldn't have made sense. But she was smart and like was the brains and kind of kept Peter Parker, Spider-Man from doing stupid stuff. Like she was kind of the man and the, the woman in the chair. And one thing <laughs> yeah. I, I really, yeah, one thing I really love about what they did with her is even in a moment, I don't even know why I'm sharing this because we're not talking about it, but I have to <laughs> say it. But uh, when there's a, this ultimately led to her death, unfortunately, but it's his yeah. consequences of he peter the the man is like yo you have to get out of here like go and she is like no like you don't get to tell me that it's my choice and if i want to put myself in danger i can handle that or at least you know let like trust me to know what's best for me and i like that they did that because she was in the in Mm. the the meat of it yeah i think Mm -hmm. that's that's important to add that you know that her choices don't revolve around you know a male's approval or a male's like you know story and things like that and that's just kind of what the biggest thing that you have to do when it comes to writing for women is just to make sure is it all about revolving around like the main male characters or is there you know her own story within it you know that adds something to the whole plot yes it's uh, dude Mm -hmm. this is so this is good this is a good little segment because we're, we're getting a, a point of view that we haven't it's had It's a different yet. perspective. Yay. It is, and a good one. Yay, so it's, I'm a good perspective. <laughs> you are, uh-huh. and, and being, uh, I'm assuming you are, a, a fan of Spider-Man <laughs> yes, in I general. Yes, I have to be. <laughs> yeah, or else the relationship just wouldn't wouldn't work out no right. it, you'd, you'd make it work but it, it helps haven't you and it's cool hannah you've cosplayed as spider gwen haven't you no you know what that's like one cosplay i have never done i, have, I thought like, you did spider gwen like casual like merchandise and stuff but i've only done oh. gwen stacy i've done like classic comic book gwen stacy and then i did um the amazing spider-man gwen stacy but i've never done spider gwen which is really upsetting because it's a great costume mm-hmm. it's a sweet costume it is it sweet is. we're really better cool. than spider-man's i'm honest oh no it is awesome. <laughs> the color scheme the white with the black and the pink oh uh, my oh, gosh and the so hood cool. no question okay. this is going way back were you and i can't remember were we gonna have you play gwen in when zach and i were doing that little um Spider-Man fan film. I don't think Gwen was written into. I thought film. eventually. Weren't I don't we? think she was ever. I think she was already dead in that his. Maybe version. I thought it was a flashback. Was, I don't know. Because uh, Spider-Man was with uh, 
um, Mary Jane, and so that has to imply that if you go from the original comics, that Gwen's already dead. So, well, no, I mean, I could have played her, but she's dead. Well, I thought because in the in the multiverse, the mm. Spider Gwen character didn't she come after? I don't know. I'm asking. But she did because her character's world uh, collapsed, so Spider Gwen from that universe lived in the original mm-hmm. her, the original Peter Parker world. And that's what mm. we were gonna <laughs> do. I think we were going to incorporate it. I I, th- I don't remember, I guess. Maybe I just wish we were going to have to have done that. That sentence made no Are sense. Are you a robot? Are you a synth? <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> a, you're a synth. Hey, Christian. Don't uh, make fun of me. I'm a robot. I think you need to upgrade no. your firmware. Um, if you know what I'm talking about. Shut. That's the worst. <laughs> no. So... Hannah, just just so you know, eventually, and we haven't announced it because we don't know when for sure, but eventually we're going to do the Amazing Spider-Man 2 films. Mm. And Yay. when we do that, you're going to have to show up again. Yeah. Maybe for the whole episode with, with yeah. Zach, and he can yeah. hook you up with some headphones so you can hear the whole conversation. Oh, yeah. Well, we should be able to do that. No problem. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll give you plenty of notice. But uh, cool. until then, and I'm I'm not yeah. shooing you off. By the way, you can still hang <laughs> out here. But um, okay. thank you for giving us your yeah. your input yes. from a different perspective than what we've gotten so far. I Thanks for yeah, and like I said, you have a spot reserved when we do the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> Zach, tell Zach that. Okay, I, apparently I'm doing the Amazing Spider-Man with you. When we do it, we don't have a set date. Make sure he yeah, knows that. <laughs> we don't know when it's going to happen. <laughs> so now, if you can somehow get you guys to both listen. Uh, he wants the both of us to listen. I don't know if you can finagle it real quick. Christian, you can share your screen now if you want. We can do it. Just like you share my screen now? Yeah, okay. So this, I'm just so you know, I'm not a professional rapper. <laughs> but Christian makes me sound like it. I wrote these lyrics. I, I, I started doing this thing in the last franchise, the recap rap. And I wrote a little rap song recapping the films. So if we can get this going, Christian will play that for you. And I'll just bask in my glory, I guess. And don't make fun of me. Don't make me sound ugly. <laughs> <laughs> That's impossible. <laughs> Give me a sec. I Dude... Even scrolling takes five minutes. Okay, I'm on the play button. I'm ready to hit play. My finger is on the trigger. Okay, how about you, Zach? Good. We're good. He's been ready good? for like an hour. Okay, on three. Here we go. One, two, three. Yo, Christian, make sure you're recording this one. I got another one. We almost had a perfect trilogy, too, didn't we? Until the third one came out. I got you, Jonah Jameson, inside my back pocket. I want to lock up the goblin, throw Doc Ock off the dock, and then get the Sandman his locket, then go expose Eddie Brock. And when all of this is all over, propose to MJ Watson. The Daily Bugle tries to write him off as a menace, but they better get the story starting with Uncle Ben and the message we get in close proximity. You have a lot of power with it comes responsibility.
ability. Radioactive spider coming up with a bite. Peter Parker never knew his life changed after that night. Woke up with 2020 and a set of nice ass, but that wasn't the half, so we made a suit and a mask. Set out in revenge, but that wasn't his calling. Took a step back, slung a web, started while crawling. Had a bestie named Harry, whose dad was a mess. He became the green goblin and blew up all the rest. Normal's not normal, take effective formula. He's too far gone, but he knows what to go for. The heart he must take, he went after M.A. Then once he got hurt, he went back for MJ. Don't worry, Spidey's here, please don't be wary. But once Norman kills himself, you can't tell Harry. Back to business we go, in Spider-Man number two. Harry holds a grudge and runs Oscorp 2. We get the sense Peter Parker has a life in this shitter. But Spider-Man is celebrity, so we can't be bitter. He's no quitter, web spinner, just doing the job. Running smooth until he runs into Doc Ock. Octavius thought he could harness the sun. Fusion explosion, Rosie is gone. His arms are in control of his brain. Ever take shop class, this man is insane. Mary Jane is the girl Peter tried to pursue. But she's engaged to the man coming back from the moon. Spider-Man can't perform with everything going on. And on top of all this, all his powers are gone. Meanwhile, the second fusion sun is almost complete. Spider-Man is in no shape to even try to compete. Life starts looking up for Parker back in school. Kirk Connors takes notice, says he ain't no fool. Mary Jane has a play, Aunt May moves away. Harry decides he wants Spider-Man slain. Now we go to the train, the best scene, I won't lie. A true test of strength, Spidey saves a day in time. New York City has his back just when you think he is done. Not so fast, we still have the epic conclusion. Harry trades Tritium for the rice to kill Spidey. But to his great surprise, it's his pal Peter hiding. No time to explain, this is bigger than us. Gotta go, swing away, stop Doc Octopus. Surprise, surprise, Mary Jane is just another hostage. There's never a time when she's no more than an object. Have not one single fear, Spider-Man will arrive. Sun is getting too big, Otto must take a dive. Sacrifice, Otto dies, MJ survives. Peter Parker decides, Mary Jane has a life. He can't live in fear, so he blows his disguise. Mary Jane leaves her man standing up at the church. Peter sits on his bed, brokenhearted. He's hurt. Joe Exotic might became a can't compete with a spider. The original King Pete. Now go get him, Tiger. Spider-Man flying high, just loving his life. Finally wants to go and make MJ his wife. 2 a.m. in the night. Peter Parker takes flight. Has some tea with Aunt May and then meets Goblin to fight. Peter takes him down and he loses his mind. Memory loss is a side effect. Now Harry's in denial. Salmon is born and he gets everywhere. Then a meteorite comes right out of the air. Sandman and Venom. Decide to team up Harry meets Spidey And his face gets all fucked But now the table's turned Now we need Harry's assistance Should've thought about that Cause Harry tries to dismiss him Burner dropping bombs Like Harry lives in Nagasaki That is something little Harry definitely did not see Sandman dropped the hammer Down on Peter Parker's spleen Venom Spidey senses tingling If you know what he means The battle rages on The two are put to the test But in a sacrificial move Harry takes two to the chest Laid to rest Through the flesh Peter Parker blows up Venom Eddie Brock is a mess. MJ, Peter, Harry all together again. Say goodbye to a friend. All good things must come to an end. Peter forgives. Marco made a mistake. Uncle Ben would be so proud of Peter Parker today. We don't get a flashy ending. Peter offers a hand. Spider-Man, Spider-Man doing what a spider can. Yeah. Spider-Man. Friendly neighborhood. Check it out. Wise words from Uncle Ben. With great power comes great responsibility. Sequel Men Productions. Check us out on Facebook and shit. I right, I'm out. Here, stop. Stop.
stop recording. Christian, just, just stop recording. I don't have anything else planned after this. Bye. So if there isn't some like B movie quality music video on YouTube for that <laughs> within the next like couple of years, <laughs> I am officially disappointed in both of you. Featuring Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, we need to get our our our, uh, our those camcorders that we had to use in college for our early stage <laughs> yes. classes. Jeez, oh Pete's. Don't yeah, but uh, Christian spitting the rhymes out there. Um, we prefer the term uh, "spitting bars." Okay. <laughs> Thank you. In the rap I community, I don't listen to rap. <laughs> Dude, you wouldn't know it though because you did. The only like, M and M's you... I eat are the candy. Uh, okay, that's. I would hope you wouldn't eat him. That came yeah. out wrong. <laughs> yeah. Talking about like, eating rappers and interesting. Oh shit! Need a vacation. Yikes. Um. So, uh, eating horses uh. and beating horses. Hannah, you're gonna if you listen to this episode. There's a a real uh, dark secret Christian shares with us about eating, beating, and uh, banging horses. So. I mean, we all have our things. <laughs> well, it's our best thing, not the same. <laughs> not like this. Uh. No, I man, this was fun. This was fun. I uh, like I said, if we do, when we do the the Amazing Spider-Man, you guys are coming back for sure, because you guys are Peter and Gwen. Oh well, yeah, except I'm glad there's like four Spider-Man franchises now. Yeah, <laughs> except uh, we're not gonna cover the MCU one because those are gonna be a part of uh, I think. I guess spoilers for future episodes. We're going to do the phases as franchises. So yeah, not the individual I wouldn't movies. say that. Yeah. yeah, there's too much. Yeah, so we're, we're going to break it up. We're not going to do the whole thing. How we're long not gonna is 22 do... weeks? Like three months. No, four months. <laughs> no, five. Five months. Five months. <laughs> Holy it's shit. That's a lot. So it's going to be like where this whole podcast essentially is leading up to Endgame. Whatever that is, like years <laughs> down the road. <laughs> We're finally going to do it when th- this will be when... after Infinity War snap. Then the show becomes something else yeah, until we fi- make it right. There's only one of you on the show after <laughs> that point. And, and, and I got to do, I have to do friend. And then one of you just comes back all of a sudden. You're like, hey, where have you been? I have to yes. do franchises by myself and mourn your loss. But then be like, yeah, well, the show must go on. Anyway, welcome to Seafood we'll Podcast. We'll have to flip a coin for it. A flip. <laughs> best, best two out of three. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's no. just what we're gonna do. So, um, I mean, I guess. Did you guys have any final thoughts you wanted to spit at us? Lamb. You guys, you two, Zach. Hannah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't know that I was gonna be on this today. It was really nice. I well, I'm surprised. Here to talk about the female perspective. <laughs> we need that. It is. It's good. It's good to have that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm, um, you know, I'm really happy with how the first half of this podcast went, and I'm excited for us to do the next uh, three-hour segment where I just talk about the comics <laughs> for three hours. <laughs> Dude, we there. So we'll just take a quick break, well, and then we'll come before back, we right? start. That I gotta go. Yeah, I uh, uh, let's start that next week. <laughs> I had a really good time on the show. It's it's really fun to talk Spider-Man. I honestly. I'm not joking when I say I could passionately talk about Spider-Man. 
for at least another three hours. He's not so when you guys. Um, <laughs> so she's like, her. She's very wide-eyed. Cut him off! Cut him off! Um, but no, it was it was really good to be here, and I always enjoy talking about you know Peter and all the characters around him, and even when it's this movie trilogy, which I do not love. Um, well, yeah, the yeah. last the last week listening to you guys talk about these and going back and going over the movies again has made me realize that I do have an appreciation for them. Um, yeah, that's the end of that sentence. That's all well, I, got. I think if you look at it like this, and well, Toby, <laughs> Toby crawled, so Tom could also could crawl. I, I, I will say this. I think that there's a lot of conversation that goes up around about who the best Spider-Man is, mm. and mm-hmm. I brought this up to a couple of people, and I. Honestly, I, everyone wants to look at the live-action Spider-Mans and Spider-Man movies and say, you know, like, oh, it's Toby, or oh, it's Andrew, or it's Tom. Can we all just be real? It's Jake Johnson from Into the Spider-Verse. Okay, fair point. Fair <laughs> enough. Very good. Fair Very enough. good. But, but Tom's too, right? I mean, he's definitely second. <laughs> I think that it's similar to what they say at the end of Into the Spider-Verse. Anyone can wear the mask. Yeah. Anyone can be Peter Parker. It's what makes him such a great character. He's the everyman, and we all get to see ourselves in in Peter. Um, and so that's why it makes it so great that we can have multiple versions of Peter Parker that we can all fall in love with and all have our own favorite version of him. And this is the first one to do it. And for that, it gets a lot of credit. Um, so credit where it's due. Sam Raimi, Spider-Man mm-hmm. Trilogy, they did a great job. I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm saying on the inside. Wow, way to shit on it. That's what I'm saying on the inside. No, here, let me... leave on a positive note here, <laughs> let me, let me Let me get a take, a take two. Yeah, no, absolutely. Sam Raimi... <laughs> God, I can't do it. Guys, I can't do it. I'll write it and we'll we'll do it live. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. I'll write Spider-Man and we'll do it live. <laughs> that was our inside joke, Zach, with uh, Bill O'Reilly. No, You'll I, get it. I, okay. I know, Bill, I, am, I know that bit. Okay, I good. Am, I understood that reference. Okay, good. Thank you. I hear I'll cut off his new film, Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, I, I have a question. When you do the uh, the recap rap for the uh, for the MCU movies. And you do the cap movies. Will it be the cap recap rap? Dude, I that's so I can't look. I don't know how I'm going to Ooh. tackle the MCU movies because the franchises gonna are gonna be, be the phases. Rap. So I'm gonna have to really condense it or do multi I don't know. And I hate that you brought that up because now I have no idea. And we're not even there yet. <laughs> So I just I, I just said that for the sake of the pun. That was the, it. Dude, I was just trying to make a pun. <laughs> and I I ruined it. But yeah, you know what? Yeah, I'll call it the re, the cap recap rap cap. <laughs> the cap yeah. the recap in Amer- Look, it's going to be my rap god. I'm going to have to what do a parody do of that you're song. You're going to record the rap. You're going to put it on an MP3. You're going to go find Chris Evans and you're going to say, "Hey, I've got the cap recap rap here for you, cap." Mm-hmm. 
I wrote you a song. But it'll be in a box. I okay. Hey, credit where it's due. That was puntagious. That was great. It's the rap cap recap rap for cap. Rapception. Uh, on oh, that note, a rap within a rap within a rap. Christian, will you shut it? The rap is collapsing. I. It's the rapture. Okay, last one. <laughs> no, but really, thank you guys, both of you, yes. for for being on our our fun little nonsense show. Where I'm sure you would have liked to have gone in depth a little bit more, but we had a structure. We had a structure. But you're gonna get your chance eventually. Mm-hmm. And this is, like I said, spoiler for future episodes. We're going to be covering The Amazing Spider-Man at some point. Maybe soon, maybe not. I don't know. And you will we'll be see. on it. And we'll, we'll have just, you both on it. We'll cut you loose. Wish for. Yeah. No. Well, the fun thing about this, funny no. thing about that is uh, Christian can edit whatever he wants. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> be careful what Ooh. you wish for. You know, no, we but... went on just a little bit too long about Andrew Garfield's bare chest. And I feel oh, like wow. maybe we could trim that down from like 30 minutes to like two. We'll leave that for the Patreon fans. The Patreon. <laughs> yeah. We don't. We don't have those. Yet. But yeah, like Spencer said, thank you guys for joining this episode. Thanks for joining us. It's nice to have uh, Zach you on with your knowledge of the comics and your passion for Spider-Man, and also you, Hannah, for your perspective on the ro- female roles in the films. And it's good that we were able to get you well, in on the show. Not just Both that. You guys. Her her fandom for. For Spider-Man as well. That's true. Yes, yes, yes. My bad. You're not. She's not just a female Uh, perspective, Christian. We just. I'm so sorry. We we knew what he meant. We knew what she meant, or at least I did. (laughs) But yeah, no, you guys are fun. Oh, um, I guess we've never had to really do this. But is there anything? Do you guys, Zach, or Hannah? But I know Zach. You did that YouTube channel that attack Zach. Do you still do that? You want to plug anything? Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually. So thank you for asking. No problem. <laughs> so, being stuck at home all the time, I've had the ability to kind of retackle that. So that is actually going to be relaunching the same time that this episode is going up. Ooh, perfect! And give us and a brief what it's about. Where do you find thing that? That I will be doing. Oh, by the way, the YouTube channel is Attack Zach. You can find me on Facebook, or on YouTube, or on Instagram. I believe those are my only three social medias that I have right now. Um, But to start, you know, a lot of people play new games when they come out. I do too, but for my relaunch, I really wanted to go back to the classics. And so because of that, uh, with my relaunch, I actually will be replaying on the hardest difficulty setting on a new game plus, Spider-Man for the PS4. Yes. I'm gonna watch yes. it. So, so Spencer, you don't yeah. have to play it. You can just watch. I can just it watch now. it. Come along for the trip, man. Just see <laughs> Zach play it. It's a great game. It is. I'm sure he's really good at it. We'll see. I, I see him wincing. <laughs> Go see for yourself on his YouTube channel. Yes. Great story. Great story. Yeah. So I guess. You know, thanks, thanks, guys, again. I know we've said it a bunch, but uh, we're glad you we're glad you showed up. This has been fun. It's been a mess here at the end, but Christian will make it sound like it wasn't, right? 
This will be the ah, one. What's that cold metal poking me in the back? <laughs> this is the wow. first time we're saying goodbye to you, I think. <laughs> but uh, Let me but see. yeah. It one, won't be the last. Two, three, four. Yeah, the first time. This is the first time we've said goodbye. <laughs> you know what's going to be funny? This is a little inside joke that listeners won't know because this will literally Moving be the it. first time. And they have no idea what we're talking about. I love confusing people. Yeah, until you said that. Okay. No, but that's what's fun about it. Inside jokes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. So Christian, okay. now I know we didn't really, and thanks again for the for the guys or for for the guy and gal. Do we know what uh, franchise we're doing next? I don't, I don't know if we discussed that or not, or we're still on the fence. Well, we did a little bit, but uh, hey, didn't you say you had to get your blood drawn today from your finger? No. Well, no, it was weird. It was there was like this random. Thing. I know. I remember you saying you you had some. Medical. I mean, what is it? What did you? Why? Why did they? Did, did they do it for you? I don't. I'm not really why, sure. They didn't do it for me. Is this something with? Uh, oh, I assume we got our uh, because it's probably you know just because of the pandemic or the census or something. They're just trying to get a. Yeah, I guess so. Welcome, 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 podcasters. As you know, every rising young podcast is obligated to partake in annual random drawings. This is a tremendous honor and an even bigger opportunity to grow. Dude, Christian, do you think, like, this is, like, we're getting sponsored or something? I speak not of sponsorships and endorsements, but of something of greater value to your district. An opportunity to represent your listeners as tributes. So, without further ado, let the reaping commence for District 616. Our first tribute is... Christian Bringadon. Wait, wait, oh, what the wait, wait. I volunteers... And Spencer King. Oh, come on. Now, I don't even get to... I, I don't get to get my moment of heroism? I don't want to be I want to be a hero. Spence, Spencer, we don't even know what's going hey. on. And you're worried about being a hero? Right. That's fair enough. Congratulations, tributes, and may the odds be ever in your favor. Dude! Ah, so does this mean... What? Ah, uh, that sounds a lot like some may the capital odds be rhetoric ever... there. Well, I guess uh, Someone... we've been chosen... And uh, we're we're going to be partaking in this year's Hunger Games, <laughs> or whatever Stanley Tucci says. <laughs> so that was cool. That was a fun little That's surprise. Ca- I mean, I'm yeah, worried about being a, a fun tribute. little surprise. I'm gonna have to kill you. Well, I'm gonna have to kill you first. Wait, well, what if what if this happened? At the end, we'll both eat the berries. Oh uh, well, they wouldn't let that happen. We're gonna be the uh, capital no. darlings. We're gonna I'm going to make you darlings. eat the berries, and I'll fake eat the berries, All just right. like in The Princess Bride. 
So, guys, I mean, I know, Zach, Hannah, you guys witnessed something that's, I mean, this might be the last time that you speak to Christian. I, I don't know. Or it might be the last time you speak to Spencer. We just don't know. It won't. I'll be back. But now you all know. Well, we we don't know yet. We are doing uh, the Hunger Games. And I believe that'll be four movies. Because the, the third one, the third book is part, is part one, part two. So we're going to treat mm-hmm. them as such. We're not going to cover both of them in the same episode. So, well, good. Good. I didn't... Uh, may the odds be ever in our favor. Hey, What's the? How's it? <laughs> it's been a That's while since I've seen it. That's not how it goes. Them. No, it doesn't. It isn't it like do 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 do? And it's like State Farm is there. Isn't that how it goes? Yeah. Why are you doing the State Farm jingle? No, that's what they do in the Hunger Games, right? They put the three fingers up, and it's like a good neighbor. The three no. fingers are like a good neighbor. It's four. <sighs> I guess. I don't so. know. Do we just do we just leave it at that? And just sign I guess off. so. Well, that's something to look forward to, I guess. Is it though? I mean, if we don't die, I won't. Well, man, ah, knock on wood. I am not superstitious. I am a little I, stitious. I knew you were going there. Thank you very much. <laughs> I like that. Good. Okay, well. All right. Oh, real quick. Thank you to the voice, Joel. Joel Powell. Absolutely. Our, our intro at the top there. He does a lot of great work. He's actually putting out his little intros for you all to hear on his Facebook page, The Voice of Joel. So go give him a like and share. Invite other people to like it. Absolutely. He's doing some voiceover work and some damn fine stuff working from him. So good. Glad we got his plug out of the way. Let me go down the list. Ah, yes. Uh, the farewell ceremony, which we've covered five times. So <laughs> play us all out, right. Christian. All right, well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Sequel Men, the podcast. Um, just wrapped up our Spider-Man Raimi saga here with our special guests, Zach, and his wife, Hannah. Thank you for joining us. It was very nice to have you guys here and talking to us. And uh, you can hear this podcast and any other podcasts that we've put out. I highly recommend them. Wink. Uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, I believe it is. Is that right, Spencer? I don't know. Spotify. I think we've been saying <laughs> it wrong all this time. But People Google know. Play, uh, Spotify, and of course Podbean, which is where we distribute this uh, podcast and where you can find it there. You can email the show directly at sequelmen19 at gmail.com. Give us some feedback. Give us questions. We'll answer them. Give us anything. Tell us stuff. We'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. I don't, I don't give a fuck. I'll read it. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, which I just now <laughs> posted again <laughs> for the first time in a few uh, episodes. But Sequel Men, the podcast on Instagram. We're on Twitter at Sequel Men 19. And the big one, the Facebook. You can just find us at Sequel Men, the podcast. And interact with us, please. Come on. We want to hear from you. Zach did a great job. He, he commented on some stuff. Now, the rest of you, pick up the slack. Pick up the slack yeah, that Zach that's started. Co- that's how you do up. it. And uh, give us a five-star review on anything that you can. I think uh, Apple Podcast is the big one. So do that five-star. Write a review. I will read the review on the show. So thanks. That's all I got. All right. If that's all you got, Spencer, I can't wait till the next one. That's right, Christian. Because here on Sequel Men, the podcast, all films are created. Sequel. Take care. Bye-bye, Dad. Life is a great big day. 
wherever there's a hang-up, you'll find the Spider-Man.